Sony thinks you want Momo Horizon. The users give us some head. Headlines. Yeah, what I say. Right. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me is one. Oh, Mr. Chris Fix. Why did I say Mr.? That was weird. You've been saying Mr. for so long that I've decided not to take it out of the video version. So if you ever do <laughs> stop, I'm just still not going to take it out at this point. Well, Saul called me Mr. Chris Figs, and now I feel like the tradition must be kept as the poltergeist of Saul haunts this mm. podcast forever. Yes. One day, the poltergeist will come and visit. One day. (laughs) (laughs) But until then, uh, if you're new to the show, first and foremost, welcome. Like I said, we are Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. And we hope you stick around and hear us talk about some of the main topics or some of the news, rather, that came out of this week, like the new PlayStation Plus games for this month, uh, stuff going on with Final Fantasy 16 and its exclusivity, and more. But before we get into that, we'd like to... Welcome everybody who's new. Remind you guys that we are a gaming podcast looked at through the lens of being PlayStation fans. So we will occasionally talk about Microsoft, Nintendo, PC, whatever it may be, depending on what we're playing and depending on what we like or don't like that they may or may not be doing. Uh, We start this show off in a time-honored tradition of checking in on each other, what we've been doing, what we've been playing. Uh, So Chris, first and foremost, what you been doing? Oh, what have I been doing? Uh, Working. Mm. (laughs) Good old American work days. Hell yeah. Like that's exclusive to America. 10 to 10, America. It's time to exclusivity. (laughs) Fuck yeah. All right. So to flip that up then, what have you been playing since that's apparently the only other thing you've been doing? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Um, The only other thing, I've been playing a lot of games this week, actually. Um, So I platinumed three games this week. Big week for me. Ooh, Ooh, look at you go. And also, me and you both now have a more formed opinion on one of those three games. Yes, we do. Um, So, yes, I have the Platinum and the Medium. Mm, I have some takes. Um, I cleaned up uh, one of those old games that that I started and never finished, so I Platinum Peasant Knight. I don't know if you played that, Brett. I did. I actually liked that game. (laughs) It wasn't bad. I, I liked it. But it got annoying. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about Radalika games are that they tend to know when an idea is short enough and cheap mm-hmm. enough for you to buy it, have your fun with it, and then not feel like the game owes you more than what you just got out of it. Most of the time. Every now and then they hit a little Fall on apart. the side of like, I, yeah. <laughs> and then every now and then I feel like they really um, exceed that because I actually really liked playing, uh, like we talked about last week, um, good Lord, what was the name of that game? The Metroid Just Dania Ignore one. Them. Oh, Paradox Souls. Paradox Souls, yeah. I didn't actually play Just Ignore Them. I've been meaning mm-hmm. to and haven't gotten around to it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I thought Paradox Souls was really fun. I continued to play after I got the Platinum because the Platinum is not beating the game. Right. Um, and I had a good time with that game, so... But that's I cool. don't mind Paradox Souls. Just ignore them, super mediocre. But then the last game I platinumed was Conan Exiles, which I did not platinum in the same way as you. So that's all I got to say about that one. 
it's to the point where I'm surprised to even put it on here, but I guess you did put it with the addendum that these are platinum games. <laughs> right. Because they're Cause not what I'm currently playing. To say that um, you played Conan Exiles feels like a stretch. <laughs> that's, that's not necessarily true because I did play a full session with you. You and did. Then I, and I'm then talking I about just, like this week specifically. Oh, no. Well, yeah. I, I did have to stand in one place with my, with my titties out so that you could fall on my head and kill me. Mm-hmm. So that's playing Conan's Exiles. I had to spawn. <laughs> you had to open up the developer or what, the admin menu and yep. add thousands of beds to your inventory so that you <laughs> yeah. could crush me under the weight of your beautiful feet. <laughs> okay. oh. Well, I think the funniest part about the Call platinum, my character Dan Schneider. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Because you got so many feats in your career. Um, yeah. You ever hear the Joji song <laughs> when he's talking about <laughs> bring back the cute girls to Nickelodeon? <laughs> <laughs> No, I haven't. It's not Joji, technically. It's I mean, it is Joji, but it's Filthy Frank. You should definitely listen to that song. It's quite funny. Well, I did it. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. Once you were done with the Platinum, I was like, there's no chance I'm going to play this again. So I just cleaned it up. I got the Platinum on my list, so it's cool. I don't think that this would have changed for you. You would have gotten the Platinum anyway, I think. But Mm. I don't intend to be done with Conan Exiles. I intend to return to it after the very slew of games that's hitting comes mm-hmm. uh, as I had planned to do with a couple of other games too, because I actually did play a bunch more this week, but don't let me completely steal the show from you. You said it's not what you're playing right now. So those are in the past. What are mm-hmm. you playing currently before we get to your thoughts on the medium? So a really big game came out this week. Uh, really it's a big, yeah, really it's a big Really I, big game. Um, it's a. It's I mean, a pretty, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. It's a pretty gargantuan release for PlayStation. Um, so mm-hmm. I've been playing Sonic Frontiers. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. and of course I've been playing God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> but yeah. I've actually spent more time with Sonic Frontiers than I did with uh, God of War. So I know that we kind of talked very briefly yesterday because me and mm-hmm. you have very different schedules by nature of yes. our career. Um, so as I was going to bed, I noticed that you were installing Sonic after we had a little talk about it. How long did you end up playing it? Just more out of curiosity than anything. Cause I think like an you, hour and a half. Okay. Okay. And so, so that means I, you're what? still very early days of Sonic of uh, God of War. Like very early. Yeah, I just I just did the first boss fight. And I don't I wasn't even willing to 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 play it while you were in the chat so I could finish the fight. But I don't mm-hmm. think it's a spoiler. I'm just not going to get yelled at. So, I just finished <laughs> the fir- I just beat the first boss. It's in the trailers. Um uh, I just beat let the me, first boss. Let me let me guess. The game starts almost exactly like 2018 starts. And also wow. like 2018 ends. <gasps> Whoa, could you believe who I fought? The very obvious trailer bait. But no, I'm not we're not gonna talk yeah, you about that. You fought Zeus, dude. Fucking wild. I can't I know, believe it they was, brought him in. It was a marvelous fight. He knocks okay. on your door and is like, What's up, mm-hmm. son? And you're like, I thought I killed you, and then he punches you in the face because you punched his face, covered it with so much blood in God of War Three. <laughs> you know? And he was just like, Hey, I had a date that night. My bitches mm-hmm. was upset with me. I mean, you know. Right. I don't know. The fight didn't have much and love. And you know Zeus it, loved his 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 hookups. He Just did love his hookups. That is technically himself. where Kratos came from. <laughs> Facts. 
Yeah. But yes, early days in, in God of War and then early in Sonic. Don't know how I feel about Sonic, but we'll talk about it, I'm sure. Before we get to Sonic, I think we should go back to one of the common grounds that we have that's not Sonic here, which is the medium. Because oh. we both ended up playing it around the same time without really discussing yeah, we with had each no other. conversation about it. <laughs> so it was weird that we both started it uh, separately from each other or even meaning to uh, work with each other. I think we started that on the same day, too, which is the weirdest part. <laughs> That might actually be true. But <laughs> either is. way, um, <laughs> now that we've got it done, I think we have both a more solid opinion on the medium as a game. When we were still talking about it based off of things we'd heard about it and seen about it, but not quite experienced ourselves. But more importantly, I think we have a better opinion or at least a far more nuanced and informed opinion about any concerns or lack thereof that we had for Bluebird team taking over Silent Hill 2 remake. So in revisiting that now that we have the full game under our belts and not just me being at the very beginning of the, uh, I called it a gas station last time and it's uh, Mm. not a gas station. (laughs) Yeah. The opening entrance to the resort. So um, yeah, Without going into spoilers, because I do think that there's room to talk about this game, not that I want to to that degree, but there's room to talk about this game and where it fails and doesn't fail when you're looking at it from a spoiler standpoint. But Mm -hmm. I think even without spoilers, we can kind of get into where I think the game exceeds and where I think it kind of falls apart. I would, obviously not on this show, maybe it's a quick spoiler chat or something, but I would like to talk about the game. Because I think it's really good and then offensively bad at the end. I do want to talk to you about that specifically so we can talk about what you're talking about. And I think it's in large part due to the story. Uh, Because in many ways, the game is an interactive story. I mean, that's when you have mm-hmm. no real combat, like, you know, they, appro- they approximate something that approaches a form of combat but never really there's if you want to call it combat at most, you have defensive Mm -hmm. maneuvers and a very small, uh, you know, little section of them. So with that in mind, I think the story and then how the mechanics of the game interact with that story to tell you the story, I think are the, the real aspects that we can kind of cover our thoughts on. And I think that those actually do a lot to, personally give me faith in their ability to handle Silent Hill 2 remake mm-hmm. but but primarily because they're being given something that is already done made yeah yeah if they were like were writing a new version of Silent Hill 2 I would um be very upset because I think mm-hmm. they're awful writers <laughs> again I think I think the ending of this game is borderline offensive <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because I think the moment-to-moment writing, like I actually felt like the way, for the most part, there was plenty of times where I felt like they had this position where the main character is just exposing to herself in a way that no one would, and it's a little too obvious that it's a video game, or it's for the sake of a Mm -hmm. invisible person behind a screen. And And I hate that, but... Yeah, I agree. Because I remember there was a, you weren't on the episode, so I don't know if you saw the movie, but on Midweek Matinee, we talked about, I believe it was Butcher Baker Candle Maker or something dumb. It was one of Blake's mm-hmm. picks, so it was esoteric yes. and weird. But 
they have a scare in the movie that I didn't like because it was a scare for the audience, which took me out of the movie. Like it, the something happens in the background while the character is not looking. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to scare me. And I was like, it's only supposed to scare me, which takes me out of the movie. Like it's one thing where something that they conjuring will have a ghost in the background. Like that's different because it's for me, but they're not trying to scare the, the, the protagonist. Yes, sure. But when something unrelated to the story is happening and only I notice, I hated it. But and I think this movie, this game does that, which is weird. It's like all for the benefit of the audience. Marianne doesn't need to do this and she doesn't need to read it out loud. But I think the super weird part about the game is that they give you a companion that she could have just been exposing, expo, what's the expositioning? Right. Yeah. She could yeah. have just been expositing. I think that's the proper word. I apologize. Yes, that would be. The she word, could have yeah. just expositing to that character. Like that character could have been with her the whole time, and instead they to, split to you up create from her. a story mechanism in which her saying these things makes sense to where right. we get to get the information that the game needs to give us, but in a way that doesn't feel disjointed and makes mm-hmm. the world less believable. Exactly. Yeah. She's talking to me the whole time, really, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Why are you talking to me? You're not. You wouldn't be." doing this that's why like i i like i like when games are like oh you hit the audio log and you can walk away and oddly this game had a couple of those but they didn't tell you that it did yeah i hated that some of the parts where i thought i'd be able to continue moving around and it would lock you Mm -hmm. there and i'm like oh this sucks yeah but then there was a couple times twice where you could start something and then continue but i didn't know that because the whole game had trained me to stay in one place (laughs) Yeah, you know, and it's unfortunate that they couldn't keep anything consistent in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really kind of annoying. But going back to your thing about having the mechanics built within the story and then choosing not to employ them, because that's exactly yeah. what happened. Um, since they did that that way, I remember feeling like while I was playing the game, and I don't think that the game I'm about to say is perfect by any means. I enjoyed it, but I think it approached the same basic problem with essentially the solution I think this game could have come up with, as you're saying. And that game is Beyond Two Souls. Uh, you have Iden, the spirit that's with you, and it's something that your character, Ellen Page's character in that, um, or Elliot Page, uh, whatever. Um, the girl, the, the person from I can't, Juno. I can't think of <laughs> the name in the game. I can't remember the character name. It's been a I long time since I played, played it. it. Yeah, but regardless, the point being is that Aiden is a spirit that's with our protagonist in that game, and it allows the protagonist to essentially discuss in a way that it feels like she's talking to the entity, this thing that's always around her, but is a still separate thing. Marianne doesn't have that ability with her own other world self because it's more like they're one and the same person, which is interesting because another part of the story spits in the face of that in many ways. Mm Mm-hmm. And I really didn't like how I felt like nothing came together in a way that felt like it was cohesive. Like they would attempt to build a world and explain and set up a magic, as I like to call it. And then they would just completely defy that just to make sure they could do something that they wanted to do Mm -hmm. in the story. And there was a lot of times where the story was approaching something where I was like, man, I'm gripped, honestly. And if they could, if they nail this execution, this can be great. And then they would almost always falter with the execution to the point where I don't think I, had, I ever hated it, hated it until the end. And I still wouldn't even say I hated it, but it was like strongly, uh, I was strongly aware of the fact that it was just not up to par. 
Some of the other times, it just took me out of it more than I felt like it should have and that I wished it would have. Um, so. I think what what happened with the medium, which which is why I don't think the ending especially is very good, is I feel like they wrote the last scene. And then they built a game getting there. And then by doing that, they made really bad decisions on character motivations and the message they were telling with their game, which is why I don't like the game. There's one character and one interaction that you have with a specific character that Mm -hmm. feels incredibly out of character with how they make him appear in the moments leading up to you interacting with him. And Mm -hmm. I remember thinking to myself, I can't believe that this character I'm interacting with is acting this way because it spits entirely in the face of what I just walked through with him. I've been this character and it was just really odd. And that's actually approaching a spoiler. So I don't want to say too much more there. Uh, But my biggest issue with the game really came from the fact that the ending happens. Mm -hmm. And let's, let's go from what you're positing, right? Let's say they wrote the end first and then, yeah, built a path to there that would be okay if the path they built to that end was in service of the end and made sense with the end instead they write the end work their way towards it but then suddenly when the end comes they've set no mechanics up within the world that explain how any of these things happen they do not give any reason for why technically two variations of the same person do not come together in any way that makes any sense and it just completely drops the ball and it mm-hmm. leaves me questioning things that are not good questions. Like, you know, a, a great story can make you as the watcher and listener, you can walk away with more questions, but there are questions that are provoking and be like, wow, what did I just experience? Instead of what did I just experience? Right. <laughs> I think the interesting part is what you're specifically talking about. The game mechanics tell you that it's not possible. Yep. Yep, 100%. Because if you do what the game does, you die. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's it's, it's a very odd thing because I think playing the game, and I think this is an important element, playing the game completely free of charge, or at least free of any charge I didn't already spend, I do think has me leaning more positively toward this game than if I would have bought it. If I remember, I think this game was a $50 game. (laughs) At least on PSN. Okay, so $40 game is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But I think I would have even more issues with this game had I spent 40 on it. Yeah. And not not for anything that I feel like a lot of people... I feel like a lot of people would look at the length of the game and say that that's not worth the value. I actually think if they'd have nailed the exact plot and, and really done it, the game is a perfectly fine length. I think it builds towards what it's trying to go to fine and when it gets there i don't feel like i'm supposed to have done more up until the final scene where it just loses everything and i'm like whoa you set zero over this up this doesn't work mm-hmm. no, but up until that point it kind it mostly works mostly <laughs> i think it does this thing where it establishes different rules for different people right yeah like one person just bad one person one person is played as a redeeming character who, for all intents and purposes in society, should have been castrated and killed. And then <laughs> there's a p- completely innocent person who, as far as I can tell, is the bad guy. And I'm like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? And it's that they didn't earn any of that. All right. of that is possible and still a possible in a 
great way. I Only would say, if you build toward it. I would say the middle person who causes all this, you can't write that well. <laughs> not the way, well, not the, you cannot redeem the actions of the person they were trying to redeem, which is batch it that you would even, would even I, go I don't, I don't think they need to redeem, but I think they can have the actions happen and then paint the actions in a way where you don't redeem them, but well, instead you sympathize with the, pa- with the pathway of how they got there, and that should be their interaction within this story, and it's not. Sure. I would also wonder, because full disclosure, don't nobody talk to me about this. I did play it with a guide, strictly a collectibles guide, not a like mm-hmm. full walk through the game. So I got all of the context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got. I missed about three or four collectibles. So I would say that I very, I missed very little context. What point of the game did you miss the collectibles? I know Zero that sounds clue. weird. Okay, because I I haven't gone you, back and looked at a guide. Right. I was missing one of the notes from one group of person, mm-hmm. one note from another person, and then one uh, a couple of pictures uh, from another person. Okay, or all the pictures postcards. are postcards. Okay, so I guess you have most of it, but I feel like mm-hmm. the the notes that come at the end, very late game, very yeah. late game, are are trying to make you go, oh, it wasn't this person's fault, but then yeah. they have another character in that same portion of the game where it's like, no, this person's just not great, but this person who was inf- afflicted with the same issue. It's not his fault. This guy wants to be like this. This guy, totally not his fault. And it just kind of was like, okay, whatever. And then again, without I'm try, trying to spoil as little as possible, making yeah. the innocent the bad guy is an absolutely insane choice. <laughs> yeah, I think wrapping up from the story, the biggest thing I, I, I want to say about them is I think that the, the game itself is mostly incredibly gorgeous. Yeah. It has really great design. There's mm-hmm. parts where you're in certain aspects of the game, definitely areas that are made up of more abstract ideas that I think are really cool and the sections are really cool. I love the visually. Uh, the I guess purgatory section with the hands. With you know, uh, part, with what? Oh, with the oh, hands. Dude. That was the coolest, it, right? Incredible. Incredible. Did and you, that's the um, thing is that they have great imagery and I think they have great art. And I was really surprised that when you interacted with stuff, and this is partially because it uh, is allowed to be a a more tightened game. So it's not very long. It's not very broad in what you can do. I really like the aspect of everything you interacted with, short of the character models occasionally falling slightly short, which I think with enough budget, they can probably get where they need to mm-hmm. for Silent Hill. Which... Picking up a piece of paper and feeling like I can read every single thing and it looks photoreal as far as that world is concerned was great. Because, you know, there was a point in time where even some of the best looking games on PS3, when you tried to interact with certain things in the game, and even on PS4 it happened some, it just felt like suddenly this is so much... This is much less quality than everything else because it's Mm -hmm. not as important as everything else. But I like that this game kind of treated everything as equal importance reading a map on a wall and have it be probably higher quality than anything I've ever seen in any game was kind of amazing. It was. So that that's cool. But my bigger issues that come with the game and oh, let me say they're, they're issues, but they're not nearly as big as a story. They're just, 
it's something I'm worried about with Sonic Frontiers, and we'll get to that conversation. I think it'll be much shorter because it's it's much more limited information and experience between mm-hmm. us. But um, I felt like that game has a big issue in trying too hard to create the illusion of choice. It that does. was one big thing that I had where it tells you that there's branching paths, but they're not. No, absolutely and not. And nothing you do, and, and they don't even do a good job of hiding it. Uh, no. And then secondarily, just overly relying on mechanics that add really nothing to the game. And one of them is the knife. <laughs> and it just gets to a point, like the first time it was kind of cool and weird and disgusting and it looked interesting. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then when the game has you do it like 40 more times, I was like, okay, yeah. I don't care. This is slow and it feels like whether or not it really is, it feels like when games used to try and hide load screens behind odd interactive things. Right. So, like squeezing through a wall. <laughs> Uh, I thought with that section specifically, it was it was funny because as the game went on, I felt like they got faster. Not fast enough to be un- inoffensive. I felt like a few faster. of them got even slower. Really? Well, you d- to be fair, you did bigger. know that if you moved the... Uh, yes. If you move... Okay, I was just making yes. sure because I didn't realize that until right at the end and I got stuck. And I'm like, why am I getting stuck? It's a straight line down. Um, but yes, the knife was kind of weird. I liked the bulk. The bulk cutters were like, okay, that's cool. I like that you used them, although... Well, see, so, another thing. Slowing me down for no reason, because I, was, I have yeah. to sit here and squeeze them. Squeeze them. Squeeze and them. sometimes you would squeeze them once and it would break. Sometimes it was three times. Other times, times it was like 15. And the weirdest part was the one that took the most squeezes was the rope. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't the honestly chain. made me laugh. Also... <laughs> small, small thing. But in a game that is so obsessed with looking as good as it does, mm-hmm. I could not help my wife even because my wife's like, man, this game looks good. And then whenever I cut one of the chains and it just disappears, she was like, it just <laughs> disintegrates because you cut it. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of dumb. But yeah, uh, outside of that, I think I only really wanted to revisit that in the <clears> way. And I think we went a little over. So <laughs> thanks for sticking with us. If you're still here. Um, I do think this is a incredibly interesting. In and I think that it's worth a play if you're getting it on that for I free. I chose to not get the platinum because for me, I think I'm really leaning on the fact that I want, and most of my platinums are this way. I want my platinums to be for games that I think the game deserves my time and effort to get the platinum. And I really tried. And I think that I would have been and even given it that effort had the game I tried to be designed in a way that was a little bit more conducive to that, but mm-hmm. I didn't feel like replaying the game. And I also felt like it was going to make me dislike the game more to replay it, even just to get the, the collectibles. Because yeah. I think it's going to, when you rush through something like that, it only shows you those flaws even worse. I think a lot of the flaws for me were hidden by me being wrapped up in the world and wanting to explore and learn what was going on and yeah. why it was going on. And the moment that you're not doing that and you're so disconnected from trying to feel the essence and, and tone of the game, I think it just makes it worse. Uh, I so I that. chose against it. It doesn't, I think I might get it if I replay the game like a year from now, but it's not a game that's strongly making me want to replay it. No. And that was kind of my thing. It was like, uh, when I played, when I went into it, I knew I was either going to like it or I wasn't. And this is going to sound ridiculous actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, but I knew I was either going to like it or, lo- or not like it. And I knew that I didn't care which one. I was just going to get the platinum. So I just, again, I've, I got the collectibles guide. It gives me where the stuff is, and I picked it all up. 
the rest of it was easy. You know, none of the trophies were too hard except for Phantom, which I don't know if you got. Um, which I don't even know if I would say it was hard. I think the AI was just <laughs> broken and borked at that point. Like sometimes, oh no, I got that. He one. would see you, and sometimes mm-hmm. he wouldn't see you. And I got way, that one I in think, the first uh, first encounter. Actually, you have to do three encounters, but I think oh, the biggest. Yeah, I know which one you're talking yeah. about. Um, yeah, okay. you have to get. Through I got it by the third hole. encounter where you don't yeah. get seen. Yeah, it's like you yeah, leave I that classroom and you're good. But I think the biggest thing that's disappointing <laughs> about the medium is it's it's like a couple decisions away from being a game of the year candidate, I think. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's a couple of decisions away from being a great game. And sure. instead it's just a it's just a solid game that's worth your time. Less but, so your money. Like twenty dollars, if you don't want to do that, if that game was twenty dollars, I think it's worth twenty dollars. Well it's a question of degrees, right? Because you were talking about how you know, some games you look at for like four dollars, and you're like, "Yeah, I don't know that I I see the value." But other games, it's like, okay, or you would expect yeah. more out of your time for four or for twenty than you would for forty, and for sixty than you would for twenty. And I think sure. that's the thing with this game is if it was, you know, I got it for free, so I'm like, "Yeah, ninety five percent of this is great. Five percent of it is the worst thing I've experienced in my gaming career." But <laughs> Yeah, I hope them coming back around to an, an original IP again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope right. that they bring in a writer, a different yeah. writer, or at least someone who can help try and keep them in check because that's what they need. I think they have a lot of great ideas with no one to wrangle them in to make sure that they're consistent right. with every if other they, idea. If they were making like Clive Barker's Bloober Team game, I would mm-hmm. be there day one with a pre-order yeah. and a collection edition. But oh, dude, Jericho is so good, dude. The, the fact that you throw like, out Clive Barker's Jericho, I don't know if you played that PS3 game. It's so I have good. not. But <laughs> like it, his writing, Clive like, Barker. Oh, he's yeah, he's great. Um, yeah. So I would be in for that. But yeah. the last thing on the medium, the best jump scare I've ever had in a video game because it was very. They used it very well. Now I'm curious as to what. If you didn't, there's only one. So if you didn't get it, then you didn't get it. I just don't know that I was scared by it. <laughs> I was I wasn't scared by it. I just thought it was an effective jump scare because it's the only well, you know one I mean. in the game. Yeah, a jump yeah. scare is a is a. But I don't even remember there being anything that made me think, "Oh, that's supposed to have been a jump scare." I'm sure there is yeah, one. Then, I just don't remember it was. All I'm saying, you. No, I'm not even going to say. It. I'll tell you after the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it later. Uh, Sonic Frontiers, yeah. the speed Sonic on Frontiers. So quicker because it's easier to do so. You have only about an hour and a half in it. I'm at mm. almost seven hours into it. Gotcha. Uh, nice. Which, first of all, I started playing the game yesterday <laughs> on a whim. I bought it on a whim. And I already knew I was thinking about buying it. And I'll tell you, honestly, going into buying it, I was at battle with myself of like, I've been saying I'm excited for this game, and I truly am. But there's this part of me that just, it's been so long since the 3D Sonic game has really felt like it was worse anything to me that $60 is like really on my mind. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to regret this. And I, I remember when I first started the game, I kind of thought that the very first level they throw you into felt like ass. And I immediately had a pit in my stomach where I was like, Oh no. And it's, <laughs> I spent just a little bit longer with it. Yeah. And now I don't have any of those issues, like just a little bit longer. And a lot of it's just coming to grips with controlling Sonic in a game again. Uh, Cause the last time I did it was Sonic Adventure 2 not long ago. And they're mm-hmm. very different. But Sonic's also always been a very loosely controlled character. He's so fast, he kind of has to be. Um, but I'm enjoying it. Almost, 
amazingly so like to the degree where i can't believe that it's actually delivering on something that at least currently still seven hours in i'm like i'm really glad i bought the game Mm -hmm. clearly the game is not perfect i think that it's a really strong start with some odd design choices that a sequel using this as a template and a format to build on top of can really nail out and maybe give us and I say this knowing that it sounds crazy with the right tuning. I know what you're going to say. You could have the first ever 10 out of 10 Sonic game. <laughs> That's not what I thought a Sonic, say, Sonic 3D game. Okay. It, my, my, my turn on Sonic. Yes. So you feel good. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Um, I don't know if it's good uh, per, for me. I've been, I've been jokingly or not a very vocal anti-fan, I guess, of platformers. And that's mostly a joke. I like the hyperbole. I like to be funny. Yeah. In, in my opinion, anyway. And, <laughs> yeah. But I don't like platformers, right? Like, I like a select few. Super Meat Boy's great. Mm-hmm. Super Meat Boy 2 is probably good. But... Actually, do you know that Super Meat Boy Forever is an auto-runner? Craziest okay, so decision not I can imagine. Um, Peasant Knight was... I platinum that. Regardless. My... I like Sonic more than I thought I would, but I don't. I think the game is at odds with itself. And that's, I can't tell if that's because I'm not a Sonic fan or if yeah. it's because the game just is that way. So clearly, yesterday I remember saying to you, like, I'm curious if you'll like it because I know you're not fond of platformers. And in every yeah. sense of the word, this game is like, this is just a platformer's dream world. <laughs> and everything yeah. in in it is very heavily now it's it's doing so with a sense of mystery and i like mm-hmm. that but it's very much a platformer game yeah so but, how okay. do you think it's at odds with itself because i do kind of want to see from my own opinion of cuz i'm not a huge sonic fan like some people are i love sonic but most of the games have been meh to well, me they've always so the, had banger soundtracks so i want to see what i think based off of your opinion i feel like the game wants you to go fast, but it's not designed for you to go fast. Interesting. Now, just be, for clarification, are you talking strictly the open world, strictly the cyberspace levels where they're more like traditional Sonic mm-hmm. levels, or across the whole game? The whole game. Because okay. even in the cyberspace levels, and I actually appreciated that you didn't have to get all the, all the like S rank, get all the... Mm-hmm red coins and all that stuff at once Mm -hmm. but like it wants you to collect all these coins which means you have to do specific jumps it wants you Mm -hmm. to go really fast and it wants you to collect all these rings but i don't feel like the levels are built for me to do both so i don't want to interrupt so if you have more go ahead it just it just feels disconnected it's like when i think of sonic i think of the meme of gotta go fast and when I played Sonic Frontiers, I was like, is there a button where I can not go fast so that I can just walk and collect the stuff I want to collect? And that was maybe I'm just playing Sonic wrong, but that's how it felt to me because mo- every game that you, a lot of games that you play, it's like collect all the coins in Mario. And it felt to me as an outsider, I'm looking at this game like, am I supposed to collect all these coins or what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think. Coins and rings and and how those things differ and how Mario and and games like Mario and how Sonic 
chose to do things. I think Sonic puts itself in a really interesting position because the rings are less about collecting them all and more that they're like your life source. So the fact that rings are tied to your ability to continue playing should you get hit or make a mistake, there is an impetus on you to make sure you collect rings and then there's a benefit for having max rings that you can hold because it puts you at... uh, in, uh, max boost speed when you hit boost you have a, a, a higher initial launch off uh, and you have a longer ability to boost uh, which is very important for boss fights when you're in the open world and also very important for get, trying to get s rank speeds on those cyber attack or cyber uh, levels so there is that and i kind of get what you're saying but what i would argue is that the, the, this is how sonic games are made they're made to be played with different play styles but not not at the same time so you are supposed to be able to do that level and be meticulous and collect as many rings as you feel like you can because that's a challenge in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely collecting all rings. Thankfully, the game doesn't ask for that. Um, not losing the rings, so not being haphazard to where you mess up and lose the rings by dying or getting hurt. Um, collecting all the symbols. So it's like you still going fast is about not worrying about anything except for getting point A to point B as quick as you can. And if you really do understand how to move Sonic, it's amazing how fast that game can make you feel, but Mm -hmm. it requires precise platforming as opposed to the, the red star coin, you know, the red stars that you can collect that are scattered throughout. If you notice, those are almost always on the main path that you're going to take for not speed purposes. If Mm. you actually try and go fast and get the S rank speed, you're going to skip over pretty much all of those. Mm. So it's almost like the game has got routes based on what you're doing. And it's meant to promote replayability because, like you said, you don't have to get them all in one run. So you're supposed to play every cyber level three or four times And the way I've been doing it, because S rank is the most difficult thing for me personally, um, I've gotten close on a few and I probably could have knocked one out on one, but I was, I didn't even mean to be going fast and trying to collect all of the red things. I still almost got it uh, somehow. So in that sense, I've just been doing the other three of four tasks for those and then just moving on. And thankfully the the trophy list does not, it, it wants you to get a single S rank and that's it. Oh wow! I, yeah, I like I, I'm saying this stuff, but the most fun I had with Sonic Frontiers was I just played one one like over and over again, and I got the S rank. I collected everything, so I mm-hmm. enjoyed that part. Yeah, but I got back into the open world, and I was going fast, and it kept it kept feeling to me personally, the way I play games like this, that the game wanted me to stop. So I almost wish L two was like a walk or light jog, Sonic. Because yeah. that would have that would have been better. Because you you get to a point where you're building up so much speed in these areas that it almost doesn't make you know. Do you know understand what I'm trying to say? I don't know how to necessarily verbalize it properly. I, I think but, I do, but what I find weird about that is like I I understand what you're trying to say. I just don't know that I agree with it because I feel like one of the things I think the game actually excels at that surprised me is the open zones because I feel like they're wide and big enough that they actually promote for maybe the first time ever 
finding a way to build Sonic's max speed up and actually be able to keep it with a flow that is not strictly to a path that mostly auto does for you. Because like the cyber levels, I like a lot of them and they're a great change of pace, but you have a lot less control within them. It's more like everything's on rails and, and the game wants you to, like it's going to loop you around a corner, a, a loop, and then automatically switch lanes for you. And the open world doesn't really do that. The open world is about you having full control and maximizing your ability to hit top speed and keep top speed. And I like that that's so at, I don't want to say at odds, but I like how it's so in contrast to what the cyber levels are because it makes the game feel like, okay, are you kind of getting tired of being in the open world where the game wants you to go fast to do certain objectives, but then slow down to make sure you don't miss anything? Um and I say that because I got 100% on the first island before I went to the second island. It's the kind of person I am. And so <laughs> I did that. Uh, and I really like that because it's like, oh, I got to go fast to do this. But, oh, I got to take a second, slow down and look uh, to make sure I'm not missing stuff. And the only thing that I think the game really misses on in that is that the engine, for whatever reason, the way they, they, way they, they uh, chose to optimize it, it's not as bad of an issue to where it ever keeps me from doing what I need to do, thankfully, at least not yet. Uh, though, if you notice, you can level your speed up. So you might get to a point where you're so quick as you level your speed up from 1 to 99 that maybe this does start to become an issue. But right now, pop-in doesn't affect my ability to make the decision in the moment that I need to to keep the flow going. Mm-hmm. If that does become an issue with the game as it allows you to scale your speed up, then that's a pretty unforgivable thing because if you are physically having to stop your flow to let the game catch up to you, that's something they need to get worked out. (laughs) Yeah. Again, I think a lot of my criticisms are outsider to the genre, but -hmm. also specifically outsider to Sonic. Yeah. That's all it is. And Sonic because is a very it's specific like game series. It's like you're saying, like I don't have to collect all the rings, but mm-hmm. I got into that open world and I saw there's one section where the rings are up in the air and they're kind of going around like in a loop-de-loop. Yeah, I don't know if mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about on the first island. And I spent yep. like 10 minutes doing these like careful jumps to try and get there until I realized I couldn't. But that was kind of what I was saying is I, in my head right now, I don't see how I go at terminal velocity and get those rings. Which is why By to the me way, the game feels that odd with itself. Yes. I, I was surprised because I thought they were going to introduce this later like a lot of Sonic games of the past used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a thing called Light Dash and the game does not tell you about it right. <laughs> unless you choose to, to dig into where it tells you like training mode, which I don't think you should have to do. Um, those rings that seemingly have no rail and nothing else around them, but yet look like they're in a specific you know, ordered yeah. pattern where it's like I should be able to get those. Get to the edge of one Mm-hmm. And then click in L three, and you'll light dash the entire rail of of good to rings. Know. Yeah, good to know. that actually is a failure on the game's part. I knew that mm-hmm. light dash existed, so I was looking for it, and I just didn't know how to do it. And eventually, I figured it out. I was like, okay, cool, it is in the game. And so I went back and got that exact set of rings that you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I do want to be clear about one thing. I think the most offensive thing about this game is that I have yet to figure out how to crouch and hit one button over and over again so he just spins in a circle. Mm -hmm. How is that not in the game? That's the whole thing. I also was surprised by that. I'm surprised that I also don't miss it in terms of for actual gameplay purposes because they clearly didn't design around it, but I do love that from old Sonic games. um, I love that part where you just... 
So here's one thing that kind of surprised me. The I'm not saying that they're beautiful or amazing or anything, but I'm completely non-bothered by the style of things being floating in the air. In comparison, I thought I'd be a little more like, okay, this is ridiculous, but very quickly I felt like, okay, this is just this world. Now, the only slight issue I have with the game, and you'll notice when you do the second island, is that they try absolutely zero <laughs> to make them look distinct from island to island so that it feels like it's part of the environment. I, you could have me believe that that's just what they look like on the first island, but then the second island that suddenly has a deserty feel to it, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I know what the answer should have been, but theme all these random rails and, and things in a way that fits with your environment better. And I think that you would have something that would, for less people would be jarring. It wasn't that jarring to me, and I hope that that's the case for everybody, but I know it won't be. For me, I think it's just the fact that, like I said, the game is clearly just a like a wet dream for a platformer lover. So if you love platforming, then you don't really give a shit that there's rails and and springs in the air because you're just trying to do cool platforming shit. You don't really care how the game goes about giving you opportunity to do it. You just want the opportunity to do it. But for someone who's an outsider to that genre and is coming in because this game does actually have kind of a, so far, like a pretty serious mysterious story. Like they're on Mm. some Zack Snyder shit. (laughs) And it's very grimdark. Yeah. Yeah. I was really surprised. And it's (laughs) mostly effective is also the weird thing. I'm waiting to see if the tonal aspects of certain characters are going to miss in in relation to that. But at least Amy's area at the beginning does not, surprisingly. I actually think it, it works even better because there's that dynamic of the weird relationship that her and Sonic have had off and on if you are a fan of Sonic. And even if you're not, I think it's obvious that it's kind of there. So, yeah, there's there's little things I'd love to see them change. But for the most part, I can't believe that I am head over heels for a Sonic game for the first time since Sonic Adventure 2. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm not playing it for the joke of a story. Like, I like Sonic Unleashed because yeah. that game is dumb. Ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like Shadow the Hedgehog on PS2. That game is so dumb. <laughs> yeah, it but is. it has a banging soundtrack, which is true of most 3D Sonic games. It's the only thing that I feel like they've consistently gotten right. <laughs> is they know how to make some good music. So (laughs) I'm excited to see, because this will be my last thing on this. I just want to call out that I, now that I've done the first Titan fight, I called this. I called this game from the first trailer. I said that this is going to be Shadow of the Colossus meets Sonic. And I don't feel like that's wrong. It's a lonely world. Also getting odd near original near, not near Automata, but I guess near Automata 2 because there's like digital stuff going on in this world. But I'm getting like near Shadow of the Colossus vibes. I am actually not getting Breath of the Wild vibes that much. But that's also because I think some of the Breath of the Wild vibes that people talk about are just vibes that Shadow of the Colossus started. Or no, I shouldn't say started, but already popularized in a in a title beforehand. I don't even I think Breath of the Wild vibes is a made up thing that just means game that wasn't open world is now open world. That's now open world. <laughs> right. That's all that means. Yeah. Cause I remember when people say like there's games where I've seen them, and I'm like visually, like uh, I thought the Phoenix, Immortal Phoenix Rising, God, I hate that name clearly visually had some influence from Breath of the Wild. 100%. Just how colorful and whatnot that it chose to be. But but that game was a Breath of the Wild ripoff. Yeah, 100%. This game right here, the only time that there's color is in the cyber world, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And when you're in the open world, definitely the first island, 
it's like very low contrast, kind of moody lighting. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. This doesn't look like Breath of the Wild at all. <laughs> like, if anything, again, Shadow of the Colossus, which I know you haven't played, but it's like a lonely world with just like little remnants of what was there before. And I don't know. I get mad Shadow of the Colossus vibes from it. And then whenever I did the Titan boss fight, I was like, oh, okay. Like, it's not exact, but it's pretty cool. Definitely whenever you're on the ground running up to it. Uh, also, going supersonic is always fucking sweet. I'll just throw that out there. I The only thing that's weird about it is that the, it's apparently going to be multiple times in this game. And old games used to make going supersonic way more of a big deal and you wouldn't do it until the finale. Which I guess is kind of like what happened in Dragon Ball Z where Goku is like, in a, he's going to lose and the only way he could possibly do it is to go Super Saiyan. But then suddenly he just starts going Super Saiyan to like go to the fucking store. He's like, oh, I gotta come back. <laughs> you know? I got the bread. Now, <laughs> now, this isn't that bad. And I think it's cool that they save him being able to go supersonic because he had to get all the Chaos Emeralds as it's always been. But I like that it's saved for a big moment steal and to be mm-hmm. like, I can only overcome this with this power. So I hope you keep playing it, but I'm also, without any kind of hint of negativity, I won't be surprised if you just stop playing it. Not, I, you know, I, it's just how it is. I like it enough that I'll probably keep every once in a while popping in. Like, I don't see myself deleting it very soon. But God of War, Callisto Protocol, it's not a priority for me. So, and it yeah. didn't, it didn't become a priority after what I played. Well, this has gone on way longer than I intended. So I'm just going to throw out there. I, uh, Platinum Conan, uh, the right way, <laughs> the real way. Besides one trophy that I see no way to get besides cheating. Mm hmm. Genuinely, uh, See, but I also started Hot Wheels Unleashed, which is Great fucking game. awesome. I did Great like forty awesome. races in in a day and a half because I was just all in. It's so good. But yeah, I'll download it again when you want the uh, if there's multiplayer stuff. I don't remember if there is. I did split screen with my daughter because she wanted to, and apparently there's a trophy for that. So I just I want to say, and we don't have to talk about it because I know your opinion is going to differ. But this is a abject lesson on what I was talking about, about Platinums. You and I have the same goddamn Platinum right now for Conan Exiles. Yep. Except mine took me 20 minutes. <laughs> yep. That's exactly what I was saying last week. Anyway. It, but, but me and you also view Platinums differently. I think that's the real, that's where I'm realizing the difference is, is that I get a Platinum because I love the game. And I think you just get a Platinum regardless of how you felt about the game because it's kind of what you... Like, if you hate the game enough, you're probably not going to get the Platinum. But mm-hmm. you go into almost every game like, I'm getting this fucking Platinum. And I don't. I normally go oh, into yeah, a game and try and experience all the game and then fall in love with it and go, I really want to get the Platinum now. And then I work towards well, that goal. I, and I, I feel like know. more often than not, you don't use it as a badge of honor for your love of that game so much as you use it for like a... This is how serious I am about gaming in general, that I want to platinum these games. See, you know, the real reason is that I have severe mental illness and seeing that number go up makes me happy. Yeah, (laughs) that's it. More power to you. But I think that's why I can't get my name as Mayo's platinum, because it to me, getting a platinum for that game would be me like be like me. And it's and it's why I kind of feel shitty about that dumb game. I got the platinum on where you just run across. Yeah, I will never do that again. <laughs> I will never, ever do that again. But my, my name is Mayo is not equivalent to that. And I got, for the record, I got my name is Mayo for the meme. And I bought my name is Mayo 3 strictly because you kept talking shit about it on the show. So I bought I, it specifically I'm not, I'm not so that shit. you if would you look at platinum, your phone. Go for it. 
I'm not. I, but, I don't want to play it. I only bought it because it was a dollar ninety nine, and I wanted you to look at your phone during the show and see that I download it, and I wanted yeah. to see what you'd say, but you didn't do that. So, because I'm, I'm a professional, Chris. <laughs> 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 All right. So yeah, everyone should play Hot Wheels Unleashed. I can't believe it's taken me this long to get here to this game, but. I got it for free. That's kind of cool. <laughs> if only someone had been saying it was good a long time ago. Hey, the galaxy I was hyped, far, far away. I was hyped for it from the very first trailer. It wasn't an issue of not wanting to play the game. It was just like a. I only downloaded it because I was sitting there thinking like, oh, that's free. And I don't know what to play. And I don't want to platinum the medium. So up until God of War comes out. And then I ended up buying Sonic. So I played like 16 hours of games in two days <laughs> between <laughs> Hot Wheels and Sonic and both of them fully enraptured me, which is kind of surprising. That's but, awesome. Uh, now we're going to move on to the community's take. So uh, the so community's Brett, take last week, of course, came. Go ahead, Chris. What's up? Well, I was just going to ask how our dear listeners could get involved with said community's take. Well, Chris, our dear sweet listeners that are still here after listening to us ramble on about two games for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) It's the content Uh, you're here for. Yeah, they can go and find the community's take posted over on our social media. So that's uh, over on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. If you're new, head over there, follow us. You can keep up with what we're doing. Uh, And of course, be part of the community's take, which is for anybody who doesn't know, we at the end of the episode, we come up with some topic, some idea, some question that we ask you guys and then get you to come and talk to us about what your thoughts are about it. And we have a discussion around it. Sometimes they're fun and goofy, kind of like this one where it's just, what do you wish to happen? Sometimes it's more of what are your thoughts on something happening in the, happening in the industry? And we like getting the extra perspectives and then sometimes the laughs that come from these things. So, um of course, you can find us on Facebook. There's a group called Triangle Square at a PlayStation Podcast. If you ask to be entered into there, I'll gladly let you in. We post it over on there on Mondays. Gives you about a day, two days, depending on what's going on, for you to answer. And then lastly, our Discord, which you can join to talk with us day-to-day, moment-to-moment, which is always linked in the description below, be it whether you're listening on a podcast service or if you're watching on YouTube or anything in between. Um so there, Chris is, had a great idea. Go ahead, Chris. Well, I was going to ask if there was a way that you might get priority, um, you know, to answer the the community's take. Like, oh yeah, priority reading, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some people for like those that. people who want to go and give like a dollar, three dollars, five dollars a month to us on Patreon.com/slash/nartech. They're pretty cool. I mean, yeah. do you want to give us a hundred dollars a month? Right. On, <laughs> I mean, go for it. Uh, yeah, we always do make sure that we uh, give them preferred readings uh, for answers of the community's take. But I want to throw that out there. I'm glad Chris brought that up. Not all of our answers today are from patrons. A good bit of them are. This is also a very potentially long subject because of the fact that it's five. So the question in, in <laughs> the uh, community's take in question here is what are five headlines you'd like to see hit the press in 2023 from things you expect, uh, from things you expect to things you'd never suspect to happen, but would welcome. Give us your most wanted news. Of course, we're looking at gaming primarily, but feel free to slip a random one from other industries in for some spice. Um, so normally we've been trying to get these down to about five responses. Mm-hmm. This one's pretty fun. And there was a lot of answers, some of them short, some of them longer. So I went to six and uh, tried looking. I like to also highlight people who are more recently interacting with us or newly interacting with us. So thanks to everyone who gave an answer. Sorry that we can't read them all out on air, but 
I'm going to start off with a longtime listener, longtime patron, Mr. Sean One Neo over on Twitter. His five are, and just to throw this out there, some people did them as headlines. Some people just did them as the news behind the headline. And some people gave more detailed accounts of what they want to happen. Yeah. All are welcome. Uh, but don't expect them to all read like headlines. So uh, Sean One Neo says, Tom Splitters finally makes its return. That's a good one. And I feel like that's been something that's been like on the edge of happening for so long, but it just hasn't. He says, visuals hit a peak and now devs focus on improving AI and gameplay. That one's interesting because Chris, I want to get your read on this real quick. Whenever I first yeah. read this, as I was copying it over uh, to our document that we follow, I was thinking to myself like, in spirit, I like that answer because oftentimes too much is put onto what a game looks like. But at the same time, I would be lying if I said that it's not exciting to see a game just like bonkers ahead of the rest. Because I'd be lying to myself if I don't, if I said that like the first time I saw God of War two on a PS two, I thought, how the hell can a PS two do this? This is crazy. And then God of War three, I thought at that time, Holy crap. How did they surpass God of War two? This looks real. Which, ironically, clearly it doesn't. I like that rush of being like, how much better can they make these games and things that you're familiar with look? And then also, how often can they make a new IP pop visually? There's something nice about games just looking crazy. But it's also, there's a little devil in the detail here. Some games are notable for their graphics and visuals, not because of photorealism, but because of how much their artistic flair plays into a game and I think that that's where a game like The Medium actually exceeded. Not with trying to be photo real, but having really cool, keen detail and abstract ideology. And that's where I like to see games really push the boundary, regardless of whether it's a realistic art style, given some fantasy twists and twirls, or if it's something very artsy. Uh, but yeah, what's your, what's your thought on that? I mean, AI and, and gameplay are always core of what you want to go down in your mind well. Um, but do you really think there's a point where games will hit visual peak and, and they'll stop marketing games off the back of how, how well they look? No, because you can't market AI and performance. You can, just not effectively. I'll rephrase. It's a lot easier to make Kratos's ball sack look photorealistic than it is to... <laughs> And, tell, and sell that to the audience than it is to get rid of the tight squeezing load screens and sell that to the audience. Yeah, I think a lot of it is that people like short, sweet advertisements, but things like AI improvements take a long time to show and not everyone's yeah. going to want to give the, the necessary attention span to see that and then really understand how it will impact the game. Like Everyone loves good AI, whether they realize it or not, because the moment the AI is truly bad, it stands out and you go, oh God. Like, you know, a game I adored and I don't think it had amazing AI and some people went out and were like, ah, oh, this AI is kind of dumb. Deathloop did not have amazing AI. It was very fun and the AI worked for the game and the style of game it was, but it wasn't the kind of AI that made you fall in love with how thoughtful mm -hmm. the characters and reactions were. Well, it's kind of interesting because this relates back to a quote I remember. Because you remember when Bohemian Rhapsody won the... Uh, Emmy or Oscar for best editing? 
Yes. Uh, did you talk about the movie yeah. with Rami Malek? Yeah. So okay. every, I remember the big conversation around that was you only notice bad editing. You don't notice good editing, which is mm-hmm. why Bohemian Rhapsody won because it was the most noticed editing you could ever get in in the world. You noticed every edit. And that was, I think, I think that's kind of the same thing with AI is you only notice bad AI. So you can't sell. You personally may be able to notice good AI. I can notice good AI, Mm -hmm. but my girlfriend won't be able to notice good AI or, but she might notice very bad AI. You know what I mean? Well, a weird I think for a lot of things that's right, but then there's also that weird aspect of and this is movies, games and everything, right? It depends on how you want your AI and or edits to stand out, right? And the and the thing of a movie, great editors who also understand what they're trying to do with their movie, do you want your editing style to be editing that blends and that keeps mm-hmm. you from ever worrying about thinking about the editing and how they're doing it or do you want AI, you want editing that draws you out of the fact that it's being edited, but in a way that's good. Because there are times where editing is everything in a movie, but it's something that's editing in a great way. It's like, oh, you're like, oh man, that was crazy cool that they pulled that off and that drew me in in such a way. But it was all of the back of editing that was noticeable, but noticeable in a positive light. And I think that's the thing with AI, right? There's, there's AI in games that's truly bad. There's AI in games where they want the AI to blend in to where you don't notice, you don't think about it. And then there's games that want the AI to be so above what would really truly be AI because they're trying to stylize the AI, basically. Mm -hmm. And that means that there's a weird blurred line to where sometimes these things aren't neatly fitting into anything. Calm down there, Robin Thicke. (laughs) I'm glad. I appreciate that you knew exactly what came to my head. Uh, Using my uh, hammer as a mic. Woo! I still agree with you that visuals are such an easy baseline for being right. like, look at this. Visuals, and I think, as we've seen with this generation, load time. Yeah. People really are a, a sucker for not having to wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. Shout out to Sonic, by the way. The, the load times are pretty quick. They are. Yeah. I would agree. Anyway. All right, let's see. He says, PS Plus introduced an online-only tier. I'm not sure what you mean. Yeah, I don't know. And I've been thinking about it since I read it to see what you mean. And My assumption is he's talking about like a $5 version of the service that strictly means you can play Call of Duty. (laughs) And you don't worry about getting any free games per month. Yeah, you don't get free games. You don't get cloud saves. Yes. That would be interesting. Now, in terms of what you want versus what you think will happen, I'm not sure where that lands for you. But I think if that would have happened, that would have been something that Sony would have wanted to do during the rebrand. Yeah, probably. But they didn't. So I don't who see, knows? I don't see why they would because I, I get I get the purpose on the customer end, but what's the benefit to so for Sony to give you a discounted one instead of just telling you to pay seven ninety nine and that looking like a deal regardless, you know what I mean? They're not going to say pay us less money. I could understand getting more subscribers because people who feel like I just want to play online, why am I having to pay for all these extra games? If you just go, hey, look, fine, you don't want the extra games, five dollars a month. But again, that's and, 
That's two dollars. So the argument I, I is you, just I agree. You're paying two dollars for the rest of the games. Get them or don't. Also, three dollars, right? Because it is seven ninety nine a month. Okay, fair. Yes. Yeah. So it's three dollars. Just throwing it out there. But three dollars is at that point. You're at eight dollars. Three dollars is almost a. It's a forty percent reduction, basically. You know. So. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um. He says a retro style console is released where games are complete at launch. I love that answer because it's kind of like snarky. It's <laughs> good. I like that a lot. Uh, could you? Do you think that that would even work in this day and age? Like, do you think a company could make a real sur- survivable business model specifically on like we remember a time when games came out complete, so we're gonna make a, a game console. <laughs> we'll make our own games for it, and we will make sure we only release the games when they're ready and when they're complete. And there will not be multi. There won't be day one updates. You may have updates as we see, you know, fan feedback for certain things. But day one update won't be a thing on our system. Like, is it truly a negative to have day one updates? No. Or does not. the positives? Or do the positives of the ability to patch games ultimately outweigh the fact that some games come out not ready because they can be fixed later? No, I think there's a like devs being for lack of a better term lazy is just is just a reality i mean if 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 they can fix the game or if they can release the game without crunching to make it fully polished and then fix it a week later i don't see how that's anything but a benefit to the consumer and i guess the mental health of these employees but i don't know i think it's a net good. I mean, yeah, some stuff comes out completely borked, but who's to say that that game wouldn't have come out completely borked anyway, but then mm-hmm. they can't fix it. That's the thing. It's like, oh, okay. You know, I, I know Moriarty talks tells the story all the time, but other M, I guess, they, there was a glitch. Metroid. Yeah, mm-hmm. where you would have to send your memory card to Nintendo so they could get you past the glitch and then send it back. Or you could download a patch. <laughs> Like I'll take down. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. Um, I actually did not know that. I, I mm-hmm. remember that there was some kind of controversy with that game. I didn't realize that was what it was. Um, yeah. yeah, interesting. Okay, I mean, and then the last one he says is, "You appear as a guest on PS Trophy Room to share your love of podcasting." Uh, and don't you worry. The only thing you might have to worry about is that this may not be a 2022 headline, a 23 headline. It may be a 2022 headline. We'll see. Oh, are you are you hinting maybe, at something? Brent? Maybe I'll make you. Maybe I'll make you wait until twenty twenty three, Sean. Maybe I'll go ahead and talk with uh, our fellow PlayStation podcasters and set something mm. up, but make you stew yeah. in it. I don't want to be mm. on that show. Whatever. <laughs> so yeah, what we'll probably do there because I do think it's a fun idea. What we'll probably do is a day where I can't or Chris can't for some reason. We'll see if we can. Uh, plan or maybe even not that right maybe we'll have them on with with everybody but well i think it'd be fun to have them on our show and us on their show but we'll talk with uh with them about that uh we've already got that seed planted you don't worry i know you saw it on twitter but uh yeah that's cool i like uh, i like people shouting out other other playstation podcasts we know that a lot of people listen to multiple of them which is amazing the fact that you guys listen to us and then go and listen to other people blows my mind but i appreciate it (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So over to a quicker set of answers over on Facebook. Um, one of our newer, at least in terms of interacting with us, uh, community members, Mr. Uh, Robert Mignato, maybe Phillips, I think is how that's said. He says PS5 Slim official announcement since there's rumors. Believe it. <laughs> Jack and Daxter remake. Interesting. No, sure. Big question. Who's the developer? Odd answer that some people may not realize because the game didn't do super well, but it was a great remake for that purpose. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Other Ocean, the team that did the medieval remake, did a fantastic job. The game is technically sound, beautiful art, graphics, everything like that. It's just faithfully recreating a game that hasn't aged as well as some other games have. Mm-hmm can't really fault them for that so i'd be curious to see them handle it because jack and daxter still plays perfectly fine just doesn't necessarily look amazing at this my pick would be bloober team what's next (laughs) bloober team handle all remakes going forward and sony will buy them and then give them a new ip (laughs) (laughs) he said a valid release date which would be sweet because that game that game i don't want to say it looks great because we haven't really seen much of it but the idea behind it and that little thing it sowed a lot of mystery and like I want to see what's next out of that and of course it's Obsidian which is great Um, Microsoft fully acquires Activision Mm. very likely and Mm. last but certainly not least a Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth release date which checks out better be 23 where your boy is in trouble Yeah, we'll see. I should have taken sixteen. Do you do you really think that they'll do sixteen and seven? I know we kind of had that, but I continue yes, to go through my head of do I think that they'll do both? Definitely when both are PlayStation exclusive. I think it'll be March and then November. Mm-hmm. I think that's enough time. But is that enough time to let for spoken thrive from January to March? Because nobody cares I about Forspoken compared to Final Fantasy. <laughs> Square Enix cares about not having their IP be overshadowed by a much more successful IP when this is a new one that they've clearly put money into. Yeah, but that's you know what I'm saying. For all intents and purposes, that's a Sony game. It's a two-year exclusive, I think. So at that yeah. point, Sony paid for probably most of that development. So who cares in certain Square? Yeah, mind. I think you're very likely right on that. By and the way. I would but, be um, willing to bet that Sony themselves, the people who paid for it, would be like. No, you can release Final Fantasy. Like, it's Final Fantasy. We'll delay Spider-Man so you can release Final Fantasy. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. I think a more realistic timeline would be January for Forspoken, as is already the case, January mm-hmm. 23rd, and then like a late April, early May 16 release date, and then like a November release date for 7 Part 2. I'm with you. I think that's reasonable. And I think it's a it puts three of their... Two full, for sure, tentpole releases and one potential tentpole release. Uh, or it's a tentpole release, whether or not it does well. And those pretty evenly spread. So, so Brett, before you go on to the next one, yep. the, the pizza, we're gonna have to, we might have to pause for this. The, the pizza that I ate is, is, is coming back for a vengeance. Do you want to take a second or do you want to just read the next one while I go to the bathroom? You know what? I will read the next one out. You don't worry about it, okay? Okay, cool. Thank you. Sorry. Yes, it's okay. D- duty calls. Sometimes. <laughs> All right, duty Josh Hoop. <laughs> Josh Hoop, longtime listener, 
good friend of the show. Uh, he says Metal Gear Remake, which that seems like it's just been percolating there, Josh. So you may have a, a real, you may get what you want, you know, ask and you shall receive, as they sometimes say. Hideo Kojima game announced. Also looking like pretty likely if it doesn't actually come out this year. You got to remember, we still have the Game Awards. And that is, of course, Mr. Keeley's show. And Keeley is going to work with Kojima to show his thing there if he can make it happen. Guarantee it. So keep your eyes peeled. You may get it as a 2022 headline. Uh, He says, Breath of Fire Collection, especially three. Going to throw out some blasphemy here real quick. Never played a Breath of Fire game, but I hope you get what you want. And maybe, just maybe, that'll allow me an opportunity to finally try those games out. Uh, though I'd be curious, if you're calling collection, I'm assuming you want the original titles, maybe remastered or at the very least ported to modern consoles where they can easily be played. But you'll have to let me know what you are actually wanting there. Because I know some people don't like the idea of remastering when it butchers the way the games looked, kind of like some of the non-pixel remasters from Final Fantasy were like <laughs> definitely some of the phone ones. Uh, he says, my name is Mayo4, which I wish Chris was, Chris was here for just so he could uh, get that out. Uh, but you know what? If you want my name is Mayo4, I hope it comes out and I hope it's everything you wanted it to be. And then lastly, just to throw a little spice and shade here, of course, after voting, to, you know, midterm voting in <laughs> the U.S., all politicians mysteriously vanish. Josh, if that's how you feel, more power to you. I hope that you get what you want. Get what you need. You know what I mean? So uh, moving over onto Discord. Those are, of course, from, from Facebook. We have Josh Ayers, longtime listener, longtime patron, almost since the show began. So thank you, Josh. He's been listening to the show for 280-something episodes. Uh, he says, Final Fantasy Tactics Remaster announced. That's an awesome one. Though I would say Final Fantasy Tactics War of the Lions Remaster announced because why not remaster the better one in my opinion, but hey, I'm sure there's some Final Fantasy Tactics purists out there who want it to be a remake or remaster of uh, rather of the original PlayStation 1 title. Uh, he says, Xbox announces new consoles, which considering that we had that little show of a piece that was on uh, Phil Spencer's back shelf, I don't know if I'd go as far as to call it a console. I guess it still would count for that, but I think you're going to get Xbox to announce at least that new console, which will be more of their streaming box hybrid setup that they've been talking about. And I'm curious to see if it'll finally be what I've been talking about, where it's a box that has enough horsepower to help handle some of it on its side so that you can deal with input lag in a more reasonable way instead of relying on it solely going back to the thing. I think if they can find a way to split the game and have parts of it play locally on the console and then the rest of the rendering and hard labor stuff that the console would need to do happen on the cloud side and bring those two things together. You might be able to get it, might be able to make it happen. Uh, he says Square Enix announces Parasite Eve remake. Uh, I don't actually have it in the news, but a lot of people were disappointed um, when the recent thing that was coming out, um, I can't remember what they called it, but a lot of people looked at it and thought that's probably Parasite Eve. And it was not. <laughs> it was instead something for NFTs, which is interesting because Square Enix seems to be behind the NFT fad, at least in so far as everyone else who did it. Because I feel like Ubisoft announced that they were going to do it. And then it's mostly just went by the wayside. It sounds like it was a failed initiative. Uh, maybe Square could have different luck with it. 
but I'm curious. I don't want to be a negative Nancy or um, I don't even know another one to throw out there. <laughs> but um, instead of being negative, I mean, ideally no one is in putting money into this when they're not going to have some real chance of making it back and having more money to work with and play with and make new IP or returns to beloved IP with. But there we are. Hey, we got a Chris back. Look at him go. Back at it again with the white vans. Uh, hopefully he didn't get no shit on him. Um, I, I let's hope see. He not. says Nintendo announces new console. Seems likely. We're going to get into that from another one of the responses we have. Sony announced 50 million PS5 sold a week one, but I'm pretty sure it will happen next year with their prediction, if not 40 to 45 million. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely see there. Jehudi MD, longtime patron, longtime listener. He says Sony signs on Square Enix, much like Bungie. And I think what he might mean there is he signs them on, but they're still allowed to release on other consoles should they see fit. But games that were already in partnership with Sony will continue to enjoy an even stronger partnership with Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might see mainline Final Fantasy games primarily be PlayStation exclusive, maybe still with a PC release, but no other console release. But then titles like Harvestella, which recently came out on Switch, and I'm debating heavily getting if it wasn't for all the other games I got to play. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for uh, the PS5 version. I'll buy Honestly, I'm us. I'm hoping that that is a PS5 release because I think the game looks great. And part of me wants to have something to play on my Switch but it also screams the type of game that I would be willing to sit there and platinum. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. It looks like a Stardew Valley game that with RPG mechanics that I'm in. Yeah, so we'll definitely see what comes down from there. Uh, let's see. He says, Resistance Returns. I like the way you think. He says, With Bungie heading development of a single-player campaign. So why? This is a real question. Why just a single-player campaign and not Bungie also being involved with the multiplayer, which is arguably where their bread and butter is, at least definitely their bread and butter as of the last decade of Destiny? That would be my real question. Are you sure? Because most Destiny players I know say that Crucible is in shambles. So I don't know that I would want Destiny or Bungie making the multiplayer. (laughs) That's fair, but people also loved... Halo. Now, that's, of course, a previous decade, and that's potentially a lot of different employees and designers. Um, but still, I think it would be interesting for Bungie, uh, for a, a, a developer whose history is with multiplayer, to only focus on the story. I welcome it because I've long said that I think Destiny story li- story-wise is great, and I wish that they didn't put so much story into seasons that you were having to constantly keep up and play because I like revisiting destiny like every year or every other, every year and a half year, two years and then having new story. But when you do that and the story doesn't make sense because you skipped three seasons, it sucks. So I want to see a Bungie completely non multiplayer game. And I wonder if they'll do it now that they have Sony money behind them because Sony believes in single player enough that I could see them being willing to do it because if you go, hey, we're Sony-made studio and Sony's known for their single-player games, here we are, single-player Destiny. But it won't be exclusive, so I don't know how much Sony would care. That Sony I might still, see more value from Bungie with with microtransactions. <laughs> I, yes, but I still wonder if Sony could go to Bungie and be like, we want to pay you guys to make a game for us. 
because they said that Bungie products will not be exclusive, but I wonder if there's a little wiggle room for Sony to be like, we want you to put a team on Resistance. And it doesn't have to be a big team, but we want it to be a Bungie game. And it, it, we do want it to be exclusive. Everything else you're doing, fine, but we'd like you to make an exclusive game. Kind of like how Rockstar was going to make Agent. You know what I mean? I still wonder if there's room for that. Yeah, I wonder too, because even though they're owned by Sony, what's going on right now, because like Sony's paying them to make everything they're making because they're owned by Sony. Sure. But the difference in, in so far as you mean, and I understand, is that right now, Bungie products, as far as we can tell, are still going to be published by Bungie. So in this case, it would be Sony going to them and going, this will be a Sony uh, published right. game. So this will be it'll a- have Sony Interactive Entertainment Presents in front of it. Mm-hmm. Where I don't know that Destiny 3 or Matter or Hero or whatever will. All Yeah. So with that in mind, I would be curious to see if that would be something they'd be interested in because they could... The only reason I'd be curious to see is because Bungie's wording was very particularly, we want Bungie things to be available everywhere. Not Bungie published things, but Bungie things to have a wide and open player base. So I'd be curious to see. Then well, again, that- if it's single player, if it is single player, you don't really, player base is a very different thing when you're not worried about multiplayer. Well, that um, that's aspects. that's where I'm, I'm sitting here thinking if there's wiggle room, right? Because let's say that Sony handed Bungie the keys to Resistance. Is Resistance 4 from Bungie a Bungie product, or is Resistance 4 from Bungie a Sony product made by Bungie? Mm-hmm. But it's still made I, by Bungie, so it depends on what what Bungie themselves view as important. But that's that's what I'm saying. Like They have the yeah. wiggle room. If Sony's like, you know what? Here's a $20 million cash injection. All you have to do is give us is develop this game along with your other stuff and then sony products versus a bungee product basically just incentive pay (laughs) right well yeah i I just don't know if sony would value that at that way but i also stop and try and think like who would sony put on a, a resistance game at this point would it be like one of those fire sprite studios like who else? I mean, if not, if not Bungie, who else? That's the real question. Would it be a, a second party relationship again, or would they still try and do it somewhere within their ever growing first party um, lineup of of studios? Um, and which ones are reasonable? You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up buying a team specifically for that. Be interesting. We'll definitely see, or if they'll spin a team off somehow, some way. But right, we'll see. Uh, let's we'll find see. out. Valkyrie is hiring for an unannounced shooter. <laughs> Speaking of which, isn't uh, Guns Up or whatever that game is called, isn't yeah, it's it? Dying. Servers closing finally. Yep. Servers that game closing. never did well, sadly, but oh yeah, well. It was a bad game, but yeah, he says Welcome Microsoft agrees with PlayStation to release Game Pass first party titles only on PlayStation. Something that I think Chris is joining you in. I agree. VR fails. And a return to traditional console gaming is in full force, handheld and console. Bold. I personally don't think that VR could fail hard enough and quick enough that Sony would completely divest themselves because it's still a burgeoning industry in early days that's never going to grow as quick as PlayStation 1 did when they jumped into that. Um, But a lot of this makes me think, I don't know if you saw... 
people are kind of looking at Facebook firing a bunch of people and doing a round of layoffs and saying that a lot of this has to come off the fact that they're bleeding money from their VR leg because mm-hmm. of the injection of cash that's going towards trying to build the metaverse. Um, and with that in mind, I don't necessarily know that that's true. I would really like to see the breakdown of how they're doing stuff because VR is a burgeoning market that if you can get in, sow the seeds, and then it does blow up and you've been there the whole time, like laying the foundation for it, you can get a lot of benefit from. But there is a fairly high risk in it. So I'm curious as to what personally Facebook sees as the value of VR still. I doubt with some of the recent acquisitions they've made that they'd be immediately trying to divest from VR considerably. Much like I don't think Sony would quickly divest from VR. At worst, they'll give it the exact same treatment they gave PSVR 1, which was not bad. Not great. Mm-hmm. But hey, I'm all for them coming back to handheld gaming. <laughs> Please, God, give me a Vita 2. I just don't think the name Vita... It, this seems like a weird mix now because Vita's become like this niche thing that if they called it a Vita 2, it would get love from that specific community. But it would probably do better being called like a PSP 2 or even just PSP again. Something that's easier to get off your tongue than Vita ever was. Like, I you love know, Vita, but it's a bad name for general market purposes. Yeah, but then they could do some crazy commercial like... Raising life from the dead. Yeah. Jim, it's Jim Ryan in a doctor suit, you know, giving the, the what's it called? The defibrillator to a Vita and then it explodes into a Vita 2. Maybe. The Vita Maybe. has obtained Vita. <laughs> oh, I thought boy. about that and how th- there's a lot of fun wordplay you could do. And I, one of my five headlines was almost something to the degree of like, wordplay with Sony uh, bringing bringing Vita back to life and stuff like that uh, with a Vita 2 or something like that. But yeah, I, clearly naming doesn't matter that much. You know, we talked about it plenty with how I still think Series S and X is a bad naming convention. But to be Terrible. honest with you, I also think DS and DS Lite and then 3DS and then new 3DS and then 2DS and then 2DS XL. Like, they're just bad names. I think Switch is personally a bad name, <laughs> but clearly, clearly not. Switch is the least bad name of all the ones I just mentioned, though, just to throw that out there. It is. I like the name Switch. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and you know, that dumb psychological thing where you can do something that you can repeat over and over again to draw people into thinking about it. They were smart with it, even though I kind of think it's, and eh. like, I don't love the name. I don't hate the name. They are clearly doing smart marketing with it. It um, tells you exactly what it is. It snaps. <laughs> Dude, the, it's the, Nintendo for all, all, everything we say about them has the best sound design because putting in those goddamn Joy-Cons is an orgasmic sound. <laughs> physical sound design not in the games necessarily but physical hardware <laughs> I mean I'll give you it, it's a it's a pretty good sound uh, alright let's see moving along we have Swanland here over from the discord he says and this is the last one and a fairly long one he says the Microsoft acquisition goes through with Call of Duty staying multi-platform but the passing of said deal forcing Jim Ryan to step down and be replaced by another leader Here is, 
I need to burst your bubble. But Jim Ryan is leading Sony right now at one of their most profitable moments. Yeah, he's not going with anywhere. PlayStation. So he's even if we, as much as individuals may not like it, he is more likely to get promoted and moved up somehow, some way uh, within Sony as a whole than he would be to be replaced. Yeah. The The reality of it is, is that his business tactics, regardless of how bad they may be for the core gamer people, that's like 2% of the gaming population that pay attention and check in. It doesn't matter when the remainder of the casual audience, his business is benefiting from his choice of business tactics. Uh, Sony is benefiting from them still going in without people worrying about it. So that one would be interesting. Certainly. If the, if that headline actually came up, I would be flabbergasted. And I don't use that word very often. <laughs> uh, next one. Let's see what you think about this, Chris. Starfield is continually delayed outside of 2023, but Obsidian comes to rescue, uh, comes to the rescue for Microsoft, assumedly, either having the Outer Worlds 2 or Avowed ready to go? Uh, I mean, I don't doubt that. I think yeah. Starfield will come out, though. I think it has to come out. So I would be surprised if it didn't. All I'll tell you is that we all know that if they could have, without too much backlash, they would have done whatever it took and even released a slightly dodgy game if they thought it wouldn't backlash too hard to make that 11-11-22 date they originally set. Oh, 100%. You know it. So 100%. The first thing is that tells me is the game is not as ready as they were hoping for by this point, and that may still continue. But a whole year, I'd be very surprised. If this, if, if this ends up being a Halo Infinite situation... To where this game comes out like barely in 2023, like December 15th, like Halo Infinite did, that would be surprising. I agree with that. So he says the true successor to the Switch hits holidays for $400 and is close to what a PS4 or PS4 Pro would be now if it were equipped with a SATA drive. And I think he might mean an SSD drive. Uh, he says it'll still be extremely underpowered, but allow four crate, but allow in quotes, 4K graphics, but the frames per second will still be the issue. Zelda will be better on the new system, but will still have issues. All right. Interesting one. Then he moves on to what he clarifies as things that he doesn't expect to happen. So clearly those other ones he does expect to some degree. Bold. But that he wants to happen. So the first one, Darksiders 4 will finally be revealed. I'd like one big game to play as Strife before the story culminates with a Darksiders 5, which would take place immediately after the end of the first game, sensible if you've played it, uh, and let you swap out characters yet still be a single-player campaign. I like that one. I really like that one, and you'll see why whenever I get to mine. <laughs> he says uh, for his last one, Nintendo. This is a this is a wild dream. So good luck even, to you, Swan. I don't even know what any of these words mean. So don't come talk to me about it. <laughs> for anybody who does know, Nintendo purchases the rights to Xeno Gears from Square Enix. They purchase the rights to Xeno Saga from Namco Bandai, with the caveat being that Namco Bandai's anime studios will make all Xeno anime going forward so that they still get some value out of it. Uh, Nintendo announces a three-pronged planned remaster 
slash remakes. So plans to remake Xeno Gears, remaster the Xeno Saga trilogy, and fully rebuild Xenoblade Chronicles X in the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 engine like XC1DE remake used XC2's engine, so Xenoblade Chronicle 2's engine. Finally, they can tell the story they want with no restrictions, announcing mangas and animes. Uh, this all ends with a snap of the finger to show a little tease from a 5 to 10 second snippet of a game running on the newest Switch, and we learn it's called Xenoverse, a full-on reimagining now that it's allowed. So Chris, just to give you a little bit of, of knowledge of what's going on here, the Xeno series has existed across multiple things and all the games really reference each other, but they've all been the IPs of each individual name as they've gone on are owned by different people, but they all still play into the larger same universe somehow, some way. I don't know how IP law allows that because <laughs> I'm not that brushed on it. So he's saying he wants to be able to go in without having to make references to the old games. He wants to instead be able to fully have all the games intersect and interact within each other with a new game called Xenoverse that brings all of the Xeno games into one world finally. It sounded to me like you were putting a curse on me. So, Yeah. One hundred percent, just did. I just disguised it as a community's take response. But I really hope that that Damn, you're, happens you're clever. for them. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're a good one. Can't believe you caught that. All right. So <laughs> now it's time for Chris and I to give ours. So Chris, yes. uh, instead of being incumbent here, I'm going to let you, good sir, start with your list. Why don't you read my list and I'll read your list? What if we do that? Fine. How about you read my list first then? It's in okay. order anyway. <clears throat> Sony, Sony snaps back with shooters. Two-pronged approach to combat Call of Duty includes Resistance Revival and a new IP. Okay, I like that one. So just just to throw this out there, I clearly wrote these in the way I intend the headline to read. Yeah, I did not, which is funny. <laughs> and for the record, I have not looked at Brett's. I don't know if he looked at mine. I haven't. <laughs> okay, so we don't know what either of us put in here. All right. <clears throat> PlayStation to produce smaller titles and legacy IP. Start with Untold Legends and Twisted Metal. I mean, they are making a Twisted Metal game, so I like that one. Seems seems solid. I love though. Just to throw this out there, Untold Legends is like I love that series, but it's, it's such a, a fucking niche game. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you, you didn't want to go with Legacy of Kane or Parappa uh, the Rapper. Well, Legacy of Kane isn't their legacy IP. It is a oh. legacy IP connected to What's the one by is it Soul Reaver by them that everyone wants? Or is that no. Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver? Yeah, Le- Legacy of Kane Soul oh, Reaver. I'm is thinking a of Le- side game. Legends of Dragoon. Yeah, yeah, Legend of Dragoon. Okay. Okay. Sega unveils the Dreamcast Mini with fully functional VMU, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. Ready to rumble boxing Gundam side story zero seven zero seven nine rise from the ashes and more. I don't want that <laughs> for the name of that title. Hey, <laughs> that, was awful. that game, that game. I don't know for sure that it was, but it's one of the very first Gundam games where you had cockpit view. And when I was a kid and that system came out and I borrowed this game, I still have it to this day. Uh, I borrowed it from a friend, and I still just happen to have it. I never gave it back to them. Uh, I feel bad for that one, actually. That game blew my mind, and I could not stop playing it. Me and my brother were like <laughs> flipping out because we were huge Gundam fans, and being able to be cockpit view was like so novel at the time. Not been done, and we were flipping out. I love that game. 
Okay. Um, Fully functional VMU is the most important part because if I am not able to bring my damn chow with me like a Tamagotchi, train it, <laughs> and then put it back in the game, then you're doing this whole thing wrong. <laughs> if it's not a VMU, then damn it, it better be a VMU app that's a companion app, and this thing better have a way to send these things out and then transmit it to a way that the app can understand it because I want that back in my life. I want to be right. at work, middle of a sale, and be like, you know what, damn it? I got to train my child because he's got to win a race after work. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. No need for strife. Darksiders 4 brings the last horseman to the front ahead of Darksiders Revelations, the final entry for the series. Okay. I wanted to come up with a good name for Darksiders. It wouldn't be five, you know? But yeah, that was my uh, that was my nice made up name for Darksiders Five instead of Darksiders Five. When you're doing that, you got to give it like a final name, and Revelations just seems to fit the biblical theme, you know? Right. No, that makes sense. It's kind of like how you wouldn't want to call it God of War Four; you'd prefer to call it God of War 2018, thus making it longer <laughs> and more complicated. Um, yeah. <laughs> Rockstar returns to the mid to Midnight Club. It releases uh, Winter 2023. I like that. Short and sweet. I need, I need it. At I very least, it. a remaster of of Midnight Club Los Angeles. <laughs> I like it. That game is amazing. <laughs> if you haven't played it, play it, please. I don't know how. I, I don't know if it's available somewhere, some way. Play the game. It's amazing. Still holds up. All right. All right, Chris. Okay. My turn to read yours. Yep. And I like how you took this from the, just the very first one I see. You took this... So much, I, I took it seriously, but still like within the crazy world of choosing niche ass titles that I love. Because <laughs> uh, I love how I knew when you were reading the gu- the Gundam thing. Of course, it's like what a fucking weird game to put there, <laughs> but it's it's my game and I love it. I, um, I... So let's see. Chris says. <clears throat> In a joint statement on the world-famous podcast, Triangle Squared, Jim Ryan and Phil Spencer announced that Call of Duty will remain on PlayStation in content parity, and Sony promises the same with Destiny content. As much as it was wrapped up in a ridiculous premise of being on the (laughs) world-famous podcast and that we would get those two people on here, that's actually not... Destiny is nowhere near as big as Call of Duty realistically. Yeah. But it still would be an interesting, like, show us some love and we'll show you some love back. And this will be a mm-hmm. statement where both sides are giving. Right. Exactly. Even though, can they even do that? Because haven't Bungie already stated that implicit in their purchase? <laughs> yeah. That, but there's no guarantee that they won't have like Destiny, like Sony skins and stuff like that. So it's just a matter of like, hey, we'll never do anything exclusive. Neither will you. I, mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. If, if you want to add anything anywhere in there, you just let me know. I do not. See, number two, Blue Box Game Studios finally shows off Abandoned. The wait is over and the answer is disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I went through my system the other day because I was uh-huh. just looking to see if I had games that were still installed that didn't need to be. And I realized that I still had the abandoned real-time experience app, <laughs> of which I promptly deleted because I knew there was no way in hell that in a week or even in two months from now that something would be shown that would make me want to download that and play it or even no, watch it or whatever. So I just deleted it and... uh 
I may try Abandoned when the game actually comes out, provided that it looks any kind of promising. My hope is that when Overdose ends, it turns out that Overdose was a trailer for Abandoned. (laughs) It's funny you say that, because I don't have it in the news, but Kojima finally talked about all of that This shit is a nuisance. Leave me alone. (laughs) Oh. But I do, I do, I know we're off on a tangent about that, but I thought it was very funny where Kojima was like, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. He should probably release that game. <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, just release it so people can stop speculating. Right. It's going to be bad and it's not going to have anything to do with me. I'm not feeling this as anything other than just the fact that it's pure interesting. We've not mm. heard shit from Blue Box at all, right? No, we Finally, heard they responded to Kojima's tweet. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. We haven't heard anything from them for months, and they only finally respond when it's to Kojima being like, nah, bro, it ain't me. Yeah, and it's funny that they (laughs) responded with, yeah, this has sucked for us. Why would the fans do this to us? As if you didn't set this whole thing in motion. Yeah, I hate that guy. Fuck Hassan. (laughs) Anyway, you can go on to the next one. WB announces that it has sold most of its gaming holdings for a combined $750 million. I'm surprised you put a number on it. You've really thought this out. I did. Microsoft acquires TT Games and Rocksteady. Sony buys out Monolith Productions. Interesting choice. And NetherRealm. Definitely can see that. It retains Avalanche and uses the Windfall to acquire player-first games. The studios... Hold on. Uses yeah. the windfall to acquire player-first games. The studios yep. will continue. Is that a studio? Yes, it is. Okay. The studios will continue work on multiverses and the Wizarding World franchise games. Is player-first games the multiverses studio? Correct. Checks out. Hadn't played multiverses yep. at all, so I didn't know. It is a very generic game. I, I name. I understand. To the point where I thought you were trying to say something about like first person games. It was very odd <laughs> trying yeah. to read that that way. But it's the, a, the capital studio, letters man. clearly told me it was something. Uh, here we are back uh, back on his bullshit. Sony announces Bloodborne two on April first, two thousand twenty three, <laughs> sparking worldwide debate on the authenticity of the <laughs> announcement. <laughs> People would be pissed, and it would probably be a net negative for Sony, but I kind of wish that they would do this. It would be so funny. It's the kind of move that would make me respect them more, despite the fact that it was trolling us, just because it's... 100%. It it feels human. Yeah. And there's something about wanting your studios, or wanting your things that you purchase from and buy from to feel human. Mm -hmm. I like that aspect, right? Yeah. Uh, Sony and Square Enix announced their marriage. Mm. Mm. Con- consummating the relationship as an announcement of a ground-up Final Fantasy Tactics remake and a sequel made by another recent Sony acquisition in Six Eyes Studio. Hmm. Yeah, honorable mention. As if five wasn't enough. <laughs> Sony buys Kojima Productions, Capcom, and Sega. We'll talk about <laughs> Kojima Productions and the potential of being bought later in the show. Uh, but for now, I think it's time that we finally close this off. Mm. And we move on from the community's take. Thank you to everyone. We hope you enjoyed this. It was a ridiculous, fun idea. It went on longer than anticipated, but this is one of those episodes. So here you are. We're going to move into the news, Chris. This unless somehow, some way, you have something that you want to 
break no, everything I, down. I was kind of curious which of my news stories you liked the best. And I was going to tell you which of yours <laughs> I like the best, but that's fine. We don't have to do that. No, we can do that. That's a quick okay. one. I actually think, yeah, that, that adds a little more fun to it. So you, do you mean from our <laughs> list or just across all lists? No, our lists. Okay. For yours, I actually, the one I like the most, because I can also see it truly happening, is uh, WB. Yeah. I Definitely with what's going on right now, it's starting to seem likelier every day because mm-hmm. they're just canceling so much stuff and trying to find ways to shed unnecessary uh, money. And whether or not I consider that unnecessary ultimately doesn't matter. Uh, but very, very close second, uh, Bloodborne 2 on April 1st because I just think that that should happen. <laughs> See, if it was me, I would do that. But and we don't have to go off on a tangent. But I know I said to you and Blake that I have a feeling that most of FromSoft games will be exclusive now. It would it would be funny to do that on April first, and then the next day actually announce a, a FromSoft exclusive on the Sony yeah. console. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I. Would that do. would be funny because everybody would be like, "Oh, this <clears throat> is just a troll," and then the next they'd be like, "Ha ha, gotcha, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> it was a troll, but here's Dark Souls three, four. Yeah, it, it was a troll, but you'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. Here's Demon Souls 2. <laughs> Made by From, not Blue Point. I mean, maybe. You're right. Blue Point is hard at work uh, on Bloodborne 2. Yeah. Speaking yeah, of which, Saul, I'm speaking, I'm speaking directly to you. When Bloodborne 2 is still is announced that and Blue Point is doing it, you still owe me a hundred bucks. Leaving the show does not mean you don't lose that bet. <laughs> Conversely, and vice versa. If, yes, if they're not making it, I also still owe you a hundred bucks. Although you left the show, so I mean, do I still? Owe, no, I'm just joking. Hmm. <laughs> uh, all right. So, what was uh, what was my favorite or the favorite one from my list? I mean, I like the uh, Rockstar Returns to Midnight Club because I would like that the most. But the fact that you made me say Gundam Side Story 0079, The Rise from Ashes, and more. Without any type of punctuation signifying the end of the title of the game, really, really was a <laughs> kick in the balls. I like that. I appreciate that one a lot. <laughs> As I was typing it, I thought to myself, Chris is going to hate hearing this. And then you're like, let me read it. <laughs> Have at thee. No. It's All just right. funny because every time I look at it, I hear. Like a scene playing out in a James Bond movie where he's like, oh, I'm James Bond, 0079. <laughs> I'm Bames Jaunt, 0079. I'd like an old-fashioned uh, virgin, not alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's, what's, what's going on in the news, Brent? You know what, Chris? PlayStation in the Plus news, games? There are PlayStation Plus games. So PlayStation have announced yet another month of games for their still rather fledgling tiered take on the PS Plus system. Uh, Starting November 15th, extra and premium tier subscribers can look forward to the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim Special Edition, both PS4 and PS5 versions, Rainbow Six Siege, every Kingdom Hearts game released on PS4. I mean, everyone, including Melody of Memory, the new one, which is great. Oddworld Soulstorm, for anyone that missed it as a PS Plus game early PS5 days. Uh, the Division 2, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Chorus, which is a little twin stick, or at the very least great. a space shooter game. Heard it's, not, it's not twin stick. It's just a space shooter? Mm-hmm. 
good to know. Uh, what remains of Edith Finch? Uh, ironically, a game that at one point in time was going to be a Sony exclusive before they let it go. And the Gardens Between is the last one of note that they put up there. But they also did say that both Earth uh, Earth Defense Force, World Brothers, and Iron Rain, two different games, and Oni Chinbara Origin will be hitting as well. Oh, now, for premium Chimbara. members only for their classic games. Uh, They have a slew of Ratchet and Clank games joining the classic section as a celebration of the series 20th anniversary. So this is, just to clarify with everybody, this is the PS3 remasters of the original three games alongside the PS3 release of Deadlocked and Future Tools of Destruction. Um, So because those are PS3 games, that does mean that each one of these is still only available through streaming. And that really is a your mileage may vary type of thing. So unfortunately, you know, part of me, Chris, on my list of things was really debating putting something about PlayStation figuring out backwards compatibility for PS3 <laughs> to some degree. Not like full backwards compatibility, but they announced the program to start and really have like a chunk of games. But considering how slow they've been at just adding games that you can even fucking stream that dream is dying slowly and slowly. They they aren't even adding PS1 games at this point. <laughs> no, they're not, which is very disappointing. Yeah, but here we are. Uh, next thing up in the list, though, I mean, I don't have much more to say about that other than I think it's a strong month, actually. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Uh, I, I continue play. to personally be impressed by PS Plus. I agree. I think that middle tier is the best tier by far. I agree. <laughs> Definitely, as the classics continues to disappoint me. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's funny about this, though, did you see where Sony was talking about having making more revenue from PS Plus? So more people went up in their tier to some degree. Right. Um, but they have less subscribers total. So some people just outright left with the announcement of the tiered subscription, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, because I do think as a net, PS Plus as a whole service is better than it ever has been. Uh, the monthly games still continue to be great. <clears throat> and the, like the, the normal monthly baseline three games continues to be great. And then the monthly additions to the extra and premium, or at least extra, have been great. Premium has still been lackluster. Um, but it's, it's overall a net positive for the, the service, in my opinion. So it's interesting to see that people are leaving. I don't know if it's indicative of people still not being liking the idea of paying that much for something when they only play a few games a year anyway. So why not just buy the ones they want to play or if it's partially in relation to the economy being where it's at right now. It's an interesting question. Fair. Okay. Let's see, Chris, for you, uh, Technically, I'm going to skip one, but I'll come back to the other one. November 7th, or as Mass Effect fans know it, in seven day, brought with it a cryptic teaser video that fans were able to decode the audio track to to get a little <laughs> discussion between Liara and a seemingly unknown geth. Does that you say that? Because I actually was not a huge yes, Mass Effect fan. Geth. I played Mass Effect 2. I thought so. <laughs> I wanted to be sure. Um, so for anybody who wants to know, who may not have seen it, the decoded audio is roughly transcribed as follows. Exactly. The council will be furious, although they should know by now not to underestimate human defiance. Quote, it always, I can't make out the rest of this snippet, so I don't know what's going on there. And then it says, I see it. How did we miss it? Question mark. So clearly it's hinting at something. 
Uh, as somebody who doesn't even know what happens in Mass Effect 3, because I didn't bother looking it up, um, I'm assuming Mass Effect 3 pulls an infamous 2 and that Shepard either dies in one ending or lives in the other. Um, so depending on what they go <clears throat> canon with, I'm curious if this is going to be a thing where because of... <laughs> this is going to be a weird discussion to have, but because I think that Bioware spent almost an entire console generation not delivering. (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling that they're only going back to Mass Effect and Dragon Age because they need to pull from a well of something that already has fan love behind it. I think that they can't do anything with a new IP because Anthem soured too many people. People are not going to trust a new IP the same way as they would a new entry in something they're familiar with. And so I think they're really digging into previous love and nostalgia to try and pull themselves up a little bit. And to that end, I wouldn't be surprised if they try and find some way to have Shepard be in this new game in some capacity, be it main character or not. That's a really interesting take. Mm. I I'm like how it's choosing seems like not you're, to spoil anything. <laughs> yeah, had a feeling. I can't spoil anything because I don't know. <laughs> That's why I'm letting you speak. But <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not getting yelled at about spoilers. So not saying a word. That's that's fair. If I knew I wouldn't have said anything. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just completely speculating. Yeah, uh, no, that's totally fair. Speculation you can't spoil with speculation. Like I've I've had if you've ever seen like it happens especially in the MCU circles, right? Where I'll I'll be like, oh, you know what? I think in the next movie, Iron Man's gonna come back as a zombie and he's gonna do all this. And there are people out there who think that's a spoiler. How? If my fan theory is correct, they're upset because then that means I spoiled it by guessing what the movie is gonna be about. <laughs> Spoiling it is when you know what it's going to be about and you take pleasure in ruining it for right. other people well, or yeah. even accidentally doing it by being careless. Well, that was like, I don't know if we ever actually talked about it, but you spoiled Spider-Man for me on the day it came out and I was fucking furious. Just but for anyone like, who doesn't know, it's 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 specifically Spider-Man No Way Home. Yes. Just so we're clear. But you didn't do it on purpose, but it was because it had what had happened had leaked so much that you were like, yeah, it's common knowledge. But for me... <laughs> It was like, I don't actually know this is happening yet. And then you confirmed it. And I was like, this motherfucker, I'm going to see it in two hours. <laughs> I actually, I felt bad about that because what it is, I don't know if you remember that I caught myself, but it was too late. Yeah, it was. Because <laughs> I remember being like, I did it right before we went to bed. And then I, a couple of hours went by. And for some reason I woke up and in the middle of my sleep, I thought, <gasps> <laughs> Like, I shouldn't have done that. I got, I don't know why I posted that like that was okay. And then I looked and I was like, Chris already saw it. It's, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I fucking dipped out of our chat. I was like, I'm fucking gone. <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> I felt genuinely bad. I genuinely, genuinely well, that's bad. the thing. I wasn't even mad at you as a person. I was just mad that I got spoiled. It was like, I didn't think you did it on purpose. Like, you weren't being an asshole. It, it was my run-in with, it reminded me a lot of my run-in with my friend, uh, 
back in high school, my buddy used to come over during the summer and even after school on weekends and stuff, we'd hang out and he'd bring his TV and PlayStation and we'd play games side by side. And most of the time it wouldn't matter because we'd be playing our own games as bullshit. And every now and then we'd look at each other's <clears> screen. But I remember one time he knew I was playing Dead Space and that I was loving Dead Space. And then I look over and I'm like, what the fuck? And he's fighting the final boss. <laughs> and he was like, oh, he's like, oh, uh, I didn't really think about that. And so, like, I got the whole ending of that game spoiled, and I was really mad, and I didn't play the game for, like, eight months. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't mad at him, because I know he didn't do anything on purpose, but it's funny, because later he was like, I'm sorry I spoiled that for you. I was like, don't worry about it. I completely forgot what happened, came back to it eight months later, and was surprised all over again. <laughs> but I felt bad. Brutal. Uh, he felt bad, much in the way I feel bad for what happened with you. So, yeah, it was one whatever. day you'll forgive me, Chris. I forgive you. It was just one of those things where it hadn't been confirmed a hundred percent until you decided to confirm it for me. <laughs> but I knew you didn't do it on purpose. I was just like, yeah. in that moment, I had woken up and gotten spoiled, and I was like, never talking to this fucking guy again. And I just immediately left the chat. It's <laughs> like we're not doing this until I go see the movie. Uh, <laughs> I I both laughed and was like, like disappointed that you had left the chat because i was like oh god chris might be like legit mad <laughs> rightfully so but legit mad um i'm glad it didn't come to that now um no, all right next fine. thing on the news a new playstation ad revealed what looked to be a six-month exclusivity window for final fantasy 16 before coming to pc that has been confirmed by Sony and Square Enix, but any other console releases are still shrouded in uncertainty. Aligning with what we've been seen and reported on before, uh, the same ad shows Forspoken, another Square Enix console exclusive, of course, as console exclusive until January 23rd, 2025. Now, the reason that's important is Forspoken is still coming to PC, so this is a real window of when it could come to other consoles whether or not it actually does, much like the wording used for Final Fantasy VII Remake, a game that we know is still not on Xbox. Wait, um, so a question. Was yeah. Final Fantasy... Because whenever people talk about Sony money-hatting Final Fantasy VII, they say mm-hmm. it was announced for Xbox. Was it announced for Xbox and just never came? Never. Okay, never. then that's so good the actual know. The actual wording for anyone who may not have remembered the back infamous 2015 or 16 E3 where they announced The Last Guardian again, Final Fantasy 7, and then Shinbu 3. Uh, like it was a big, big deal. Um, the wording was play first on PlayStation. And they Got really it. never did anything more than that. Now, of course, that carries a light implication that it's going to come somewhere else, which it did, PC, two years later. Um but it's still not coming to Xbox. They never said it was coming to Xbox. So with that in mind, this is an example of even if the game would have been intended to come to, to Xbox at some point and PlayStation still money had them, I don't think that they did arguably a worse thing. <laughs> and I'm not saying that Xbox are awful for doing this, but in many ways, Microsoft money had Bethesda into Starfield being an exclusive. Yep. After the game had already been announced as a console game for PlayStation 5. <laughs> so to that end, well, okay, let me back up. Because I think that they, I actually think the wording was next-gen consoles, which does not specify PlayStation. So arguably the same thing happened with Starfield. Eh. Eh. Let's put it this way. At least they own Bethesda. (laughs) 
well, let me just put it this way. That game would have come out on PlayStation had Microsoft not money added it. Yeah, 100%. And for all we know, Final Fantasy VII Remake doesn't even get made without PlayStation. Doubtful, but Doubtful. for all we know. Yeah, but you know, it's hard to say because I don't know if you remember back in the PS3, they did a, um, and it's what caused so much uproar about this. There was that tech trailer that they did from Square Enix that showed off Final Fantasy VII's opening in a new next-gen engine for PS3 without ever intending to do a remake. But it was something that Sony, of course, worked with them on to try and showcase how powerful the PS3 was. Um now, if if Sony paid Square to work a lot, or you know worked alongside Square and paid for part of that to be made to show off, then arguably Sony might be the reason that Final Fantasy VII remake did eventually come. Right. Uh, but I don't know that that's something we'll ever truly know. No, and I don't personally actually think that. I'm more just you know. Yeah, I think it's fair to say from Forspoken, I'm pretty sure it would not have come out without Sony because from what we had heard up until that point. Square was done with the Luminous engine. Yeah. And yet now we have a new game on the Luminous engine from a team called Luminous Productions. That doesn't quite add up. This seems like Sony was like, listen, if you can keep those people around, that engine is beautiful <clears throat> and you could come up with a new idea. We might be interested in paying for the majority of development if you keep it a console exclusive for mm-hmm. PS5, our brand new co- upcoming system. So we'll see. But oh, well. Uh, let's see. Oh, just for anyone who wants to know, and this is a good thing in my opinion, uh, Final Fantasy 16 producer Yoshi P stated that a demo version of Final Fantasy 16 will be released a few months before the game's launch, which shouldn't be too surprising. I don't know if you guys remember the, um, it's like a pseudo demo in many ways, uh, for Final Fantasy 15, but it did at least allow you to play the game and try it, uh, on a grand scale because 15 also had that episode Duodecim or whatever. I wouldn't call it Duodecim. I can't remember what it was called. Um, that's the Duodecim was the fighting game subname. But episode Disky, Disky, that was very different than what 15 ended up being, but it was at least a familiar map and everything. So that was Disgaea. PlayStation exclusive. <laughs> Disky. Um, all right, let's see. Lionsgate CEO has let it slip during the, an investor <clears throat> call that the company is, quote, fielding proposals, end quote, for another video game adaptation of its popular John Wick series, this time aiming higher than Hex did and looking at a AAA take on the franchise. He made it clear that he doesn't want to go to get ahead of themselves, but he reiterates that the company believes there is a triple A game to be made of the franchise and they have intentions to continue in the process of working with somebody to get one done. So it's not a real announcement of an actual game, but rather an announcement that they are very strongly looking into the, uh, proposals being sent their way, which if anything, I saw somebody kind of talk about that. This is not that odd for the industry and that hundreds of proposals get sent all the time. And it's just which ones get made. Uh, Somebody was talking about that because I don't know if you saw it. There was an image of a dark souls three. Like it was, I don't Mm -hmm. know if you want to call it like a, uh, like a 2d concept art or whatever. But yeah, I showed the dancer of the Boreal Valley as a 2d game. And it looked a lot like, um, uh, blasphemy or blasphemous rather and mm. uh, death gambit and the guy there was talking about how he's worked on plenty of pitches that go to developers and it wasn't a pitch from from software but rather another company who was going who was pitching it to be made from bandai namco um 
So in that mind, I guess it's not that surprising that Silent Hill was getting hundreds of proposals sent to Konami every day, even when Konami was seemingly not interested in releasing any games on console outside of football (laughs) or e-soccer, e-football, whatever. E-football. Terrible name. Awful. PES was so much better. Yeah. But now we live in a world where their PES doesn't exist, and apparently now FIFA doesn't exist. It's just going to be EA Soccer. This is the last one. EA Soccer Club, I think it was, or Football Club. (laughs) End of an era. I remember when I used to work at uh, GameStop, FIFA was huge. You never realize it until you work in retail where it's coming. Definitely at that time when digital wasn't as prevalent. And I remember I would always be like, yeah, this I, I don't really see anybody <clears throat> pre-ordering FIFA or anything. But then when the release date came out, hundreds of people would flood in and be like, you got, y'all got the new FIFA? And I remember we'd open our box and be like, why do we have like 400 copies of FIFA 12? <laughs> <laughs> and then you Apparently sold them because all. people wanted it, yeah. Uh, wild. So, yeah, I, I, you know, this is going to be crazy. I've never seen a John Wick movie, nor have I played the Wait, game. So what? I don't really have any opinion, yeah. You got to watch John, John Wick. Wick. No, 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 no. You got to go. You got to watch it. You got to come back next week and have watched John Wick. <laughs> That's absolutely like abhorrent. So I'm assuming that means that you love it. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I do really like the franchise. It's a lot of fun. I don't think they're like exceptional, but I think they're very fun and they should be watched. It's just a yeah. good time. From what I've seen, it screams of something that's obvious to make a game within. Oh, 100%. So I'm not surprised. Yeah, this Um, wasn't even like a shocker. (laughs) All right. Yeah, we'll see if I can make that happen just for you, Chris. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. He ain't going to watch those movies. We'll see. While not indicative of every game, those interested in PSVR 2 who were disappointed in the lack of backwards compatibility might find some solace in the news that two games that are making the transition to PSVR 2 from the original headset are offering the upgraded versions of the game free to existing owners. Those two games are Pistol Whip VR and Zenith The Last City, which you may remember is a VR-based MMO. Um, And they showed off some of what they're planning to do for PSVR 2, which uh, looks cool. VR MMO still seems like a a wild bet, but somebody had to make it first, so I don't blame them for doing it. Uh, This will hopefully be a template for other titles as they transition across. And I think it smells of what you'll mostly see. Doesn't mean everyone will follow, but I think this will be close to the standard thing. Um, We always kind of knew that backwards compatibility was not likely, but this seems like a great solution middle ground that if you buy the new game, at least you're still getting access to the game in a better version for free of charge on your new head, you know, your new signing headset. So I expect to see Moss book one and at the very least Moss book two, Uh, get free upgrades for PSVR 2 as well. So we'll see. I don't really have much more to say about that. Chris, you? Um, No. I hope they... Did you... We haven't talked about the price and everything, did we? Oh, uh, $549? I don't think we did, actually. Um, May have fell out at a weird time. Yeah, they have uh, announced that the price for the VR headset will be $549. If we did talk about it, no time like the present to just retread it real quick. So $50 above what I was expecting, which is not surprising considering they rose the price of the PlayStation in most parts of the world. 
which pretty much keeps it in line. I said that it would be priced at max the same as PlayStation. And didn't they make PlayStation 5 P, uh, 550 in other Correct. parts of the world? Yep. So wrong technically, but also really not wrong in spirit. No, um, I think you're entirely correct. Just that you were entirely wrong too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Price-wise, I know we really I haven't talked about it with you. Uh, even your interest in getting it seemed like it was kind of iffy and waning. I mean, does this price do anything for you to push you towards it or away from it, or is it pretty neutral? Um, I was never going to buy it on release, honestly. So this price just makes me more, yeah, I was, I'm not going to buy this at release 100%. Hope it's good. Is there is there a price that you think would have been realistic for Sony to have given, but would have also pushed you to now I may buy it day one if the games are right? Not realistic. Okay. So it would have, it would have had to be something like two ninety nine. Yes, that's exactly what it would have had to been. Yeah. Uh, because I saw a lot of people talking about two ninety nine, and I don't know where they had that idea from. Why would Sony <clears throat> undercut the original price of their original headset with this new, much more groundbreaking version than the original headset, which was old tech by the time it released? It doesn't make sense. Well, I know that um, I think it's Moore's Law's Dead was talking about how Sony is making a healthy profit on five M550 and 299 mm-hmm. would have been them taking a slight loss. So they could have done it if they wanted so, it to be mass market. But I don't I think don't know much about Moore's VR, Law. But is that really like him just knowing what's in it making a very roughly estimated guess or is that insider knowledge more out of curiosity of knowing where the information came from from, from what it sounded like on the podcast episodes <laughs> he has straight up design docs with pricing on it. Okay. So. Okay. Interesting. That's just for all I know. He's he's bsing, you know. But oh, that's I, what I doubt he was he's saying. bsing. But whether or not his document is completely accurate is a is an interesting question. I believe that if he thinks it's real, he probably has good reason to. Well, uh, what, he's pretty he's, smart, dude. He said on the podcast I listened to with him that he was told to redact that stuff if he was going to put it out. So. <laughs> really. Yeah. Yeah, so it's probably pretty true. I'm surpri- I-, I expected them to be selling it at a profit at this price, but I am a little surprised they didn't just try and keep it at five hundred, just to be a little more appealing. Hmm. But you know, I don't know. I think the side of this that we're often not looking at, and they do ship in bulk, so it does cut that to a degree. But where does shipping play into that? Like, is he looking at manufacturing cost plus packaging and shipping? Is he looking at strictly des- the design of uh, the physical headset and all the materials and tech that go into the headset minus, you know, without the the packaging and shipping aspect? And that's um, a real curiosity. Yeah. All I know is what I said already is basically is that they yeah. could have sold it for up to for up to I think 300 was when they would have stopped making a profit. So. Anything past oh, that okay. is just their if decisions. If they lowered, yeah. Well, I'm not surprised. Um, I this is I personally, and I get that that I'm I'm in a position where it can benefit me easier. Like I am iffy on it primarily due to the games. I think that shooter game they showed off actually looks amazing. It looks really good, and I'm surprised. The where I'm unfortunate is I, I can't tell if it's going to be a day one release or just a a year one release. And then secondarily, I still don't know how I feel about playing a shooting game with two non-rigid controllers pretending to be a rigid item. 
I loved the games in PSVR that used the sharpshooter, the PS aim rather sharpshooter was PS move, but the PS aim controller, because there's nothing like aiming a gun where you physically have a rigid item that you can push into your shoulder and have a fulcrum point that feels like a gun. I have a feeling it's going to feel really dumb to have your hands, which are completely disconnected and try and pretend that there's a rigid bar connecting them. I hope I'm wrong. (laughs) But I don't have a strong feeling that that is going to be the case. Um, But a lot of it comes down to games. I expected that Gran Turismo 7 would have had a full announcement of VR compatibility. And instead, it's like you get to look at your car in a showroom through it. And it just screams of reminding me of back when Microsoft was doing uh, Xbox 360 Connect. And they were like, you can look at your car in Forza by waving your hand to move around the camera and open the hood and I'm like this is stupid why would I <laughs> it's clearly a gimmick racing with the actual perception of being in the car and moving your head and seeing everything is not a gimmick it is amazing and Gran Turismo uh, Gran Turismo Sports VR mode from PSVR the only downside it had is that it was only 1v1 races it wasn't a full on race i would kill to be able to sit in my chair that's got the steering wheel connected to it, have the PSVR on and be able to look around me, see multiple cars whizzing by that. I long for that sense of immersion because it can be amazing. And there's not a single racer (laughs) on, on the thing for, for launch at all that I can tell so far. So that's unfortunate. Um, But I'm, I've got almost enough reward points since they fixed our reward point system to just pay for the headset with points and by the time it releases, I should have that many. So I'm thinking about getting it anyway, just because it'll be free. There you go. Okay, I like that. But we'll see. I ha- I want to see how it works out, but also surprised at no Half-Life Alex yet. Can't believe it. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe that'll be something closer to launch. <clears throat> that's part of why I have no interest in day one. They don't have anything that screams, I need to play this now. Yeah, like Horizon looks fine. Like it looks like a cool VR game, but I don't care that much. And it's weird to say like I thought Horizon Forbidden West was a perfectly fine game. But it kind of just cemented the fact that they took massive potential for the first game and the new IP that I thought was great. And then they just didn't do enough with the second game to make it to where like I kept that same amount of energy. Like I like the game. If they make another one, I'll play it. But I won't be in necessarily a rush to play it. And it won't be like this is one of my favorite IP, you know? Oh, trust me, I know. I think Horizon is wildly overrated <clears throat> and just straight up not good. So it's just Did you feel that way about Zero Dawn too, though? Out of out of curiosity? Um, I remember finishing Zero Dawn. I don't remember anything about it. And I do know that every time I've tried to go back for the Platinum, I've lasted 30 seconds. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. I know I'm in the minority with that. I just don't get it. <clears throat> I really don't. Well, it's like us with Days Gone. And I just I know there's still a lot of people that are like, that game is garbage. And I'm like, I don't see the game that you're seeing. But I can't. Sometimes I also think games aren't good, so. I love Days Gone. I just don't understand. I love Days Gone, and I love and I don't love Horizon. The thing is, I understand why Days Gone sequel was canceled. I don't understand why Horizon 
is God's gift to the earth, apparently, according to them. So <laughs> I understand why Horizon got a sequel because Horizon one sold very well for a new IP. Yeah. And I'm a little more surprised that Days Gone didn't get a sequel because it sold almost as much as Horizon did as also a new IP. But it was mired in more controversy. So that's probably really what the answer for the <laughs> for it is. Um but eh, oh well. We can kick that dead horse as much as we want. Sony sure is. Speaking of, what's next on the news, Brett? Sony is going the extra mile with advertising for arguably their biggest game since PlayStation 5's launch. I feel like I'm pretty confident in saying that God of War Ragnarok is their most important big high-profile release since PS5's launch, even if it's cross-gen. Has taken over the New York City subway system with large advertisements, turnstiles labeled after names of the nine realms of the game, and even a wrapped subway train. Subtlety is not in the cards for this massive release, as has clearly been the case with all the commercials and stuff that they've been doing. Um, Chris. Hi. Do you agree that this this is more of a curiosity? Do you agree that this is the biggest release since PS5 so far, or do you think that Miles Morales is still a very very solid contender for that? I think it's a solid contender, but I think this well, edges it out. I feel like it's clearly God of War Ragnarok <laughs> because Spider Man and Spider Man Miles Morales together did not sell as many games as God of War. <clears throat> Well, hold on, hold on. Do you mean across both PS4 and PS5? Mm-hmm. I thought Spider-Man 1 on PS4 was the best-selling game, the best-selling I, exclusive. I'll double-check, but I'm pretty sure that I read that recently. That it, Dude, <sighs> if so, that's impressive. Uh, that's mighty impressive. I mean, God of if War Sony's original gaming million. IP? Yeah. But dude, if they, if Sony's original gaming IP outsold a long stay, a long stay that outperforms all comic book movies whenever they make a solo movie, that's incredible. I'm pretty sure Spider-Man's like in the 40 million range. Oh, I'm 100% wrong, sorry. <laughs> okay. I don't know where I heard that, but I did hear it. Like Spider-Man Remastered wasn't as big of a deal. I mean, it's a big deal, but less of so because it's a game that people have already played and bought a ton of. Miles Morales was a big game, but I wonder how Miles Morales performed. And once we get the full, you know, idea and picture months down the road versus what uh, God of War Ragnarok will end up bringing in. My real curiosity is, is it may just be me, but it definitely seems like Horizon Forbidden West underperformed in comparison to what I think that they expected based off of the trajectory of the first game. I thought they expected it to continue that. And maybe it's just me having a perception from the game, but I feel like Forbidden West did fine, but I don't feel like it was the smash success sequel they thought it was going to be. I think it was fine, money well spent, money well made. But at least as far as I can see, I don't... Forbidden West has not had the staying power in people's minds and hearts that I feel like Zero Dawn did. Zero Dawn is a game with an interesting concept and fine gameplay. Forbidden West is a game without an interesting concept because it's been done before and pretty mediocre gameplay. But it looks really pretty. It does look very pretty. I'll give them that. But, you know, <laughs> uh, I thought the the concept was fine. But like you said, it's it was easy to predict. 
sadly. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's see. In terms of this piece of news, the only thing I have to say about it is you can tell who did the news this week because I wouldn't have ever thought to put this on the news. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, now, next piece of news, EA's purchase of Codemasters apparently has become the death knell of the long-running Dirt series as they have announced that they are retiring the series from its portfolio alongside Project Cars, both series that I think they ended up acquiring. Um, I guess EA has not passed their days of acquiring people just to uh, completely fuck everything that they bought. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really understand that that's the way they do stuff, but that's what they do. Unfortunately. Um, I don't have much more thought of that other than that it sucks because Dirt, um, what was it called? Dirt Rally? Is that the one that was a PlayStation 5 launch title? Dirt 5, I think. Was it Dirt 5? I believe so. Fun game. Dirt's always been a solid racing series, and part of me knew that Codemasters getting bought was very likely the end of that. But I guess the flip side of that is, was Dirt always probably right at the cusp of having to not be made, but they couldn't afford to not make a game that at least was in a series that people knew and would respond to, even if it never performed as much as it needed to? We'll likely never know, but Codemasters was bought for a reason, or Codemasters accepted a buyout for a reason. So you have to assume they weren't doing super hot financially. Super hot. I agree. (laughs) Unfortunate. Uh, There are whispers of speculation that PlayStation's Horizon series is getting an MMO adaptation from Korean MMO developer NCSoft, the team behind Guild Wars, City of Heroes, uh, games like that. As Sony have reportedly, or rather rumoredly, signed a deal with a developer, it sounds like, if true, the deal is very fresh and not yet public knowledge, indicating that this is likely something early in development process, again, if true. Uh, There are also reports of an Amsterdam-based producer role open for an upcoming mobile game from Sony, which is leading some to believe that the MMO may even be coming to mobile alongside consoles to target wider audiences, looking at games like Genshin Impact as good examples of how that has worked in the past. I think it's a fairly tenuous connection. I get that Amsterdam is where Gorilla is out of. I don't necessarily understand why an open role for something in Amsterdam would impact what's going on in um, Korea for NCSoft. But I guess it depends on to what degree Gorilla may or may not be working with NCSoft. Uh, they're working to, with them to some degree if this is true, but how much? Who knows? Uh, so since we've already shared our opinions and definitely your opinion that's much more sour than mine on this, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? Do you really think Sony would be getting into the process of making an MMO again? I look at this as someone who saw them get into the business of making an MMO with DC Universe Online and it not doing as well as they were hoping for and eventually selling Daybreak Studios. Which leads me to believe, like, do they really want to hop into a thing that they failed at before? We've seen them be reluctant to do shooters. Why would they hop into MMO again? Is it just because of the money's the money to be made from looking at games like World of Warcraft and uh, well, Final it's Fantasy the money fourteen and I too think strong? That it's the money, and I think that um, Guild Wars Two is really good. And if you can get a Guild Wars type game, even if I have to play in the Horizon franchise to experience it, like you could sell me on that. Um, Because I like Guild Wars. I like that kind of gameplay more than I like Horizon's gameplay. So I think that world would be a cool way to explore in an MMO. 
I don't know that that's what they're going to do, but we'll see. MMOs make buku bucks. You just got to have the right amount of subscribers. Well, they can't. Yeah, they can. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, you have to do it yeah. right. Well, and for the, the record, other side NC of this, Soft do you did. think Guild it would Wars be still going? Yeah. Even though it's funny, you say you like Guild Wars 2. I played Guild Wars 2, but it wasn't at, it was a fine game, but I didn't understand why they called it Guild Wars 2 because it's nothing like Guild Wars 1 at all. At all. <laughs> Not at I remember all. being like super disappointed because I adored Guild Wars One and I did not get anything remotely close to it the second time around. But that's okay. They're still a good developer. They make great games. City of Heroes is a beloved MMO that people are super sad eventually shut down. Yeah, um, the MMO I'm super sad I got shut down was Marvel Heroes Omega. I don't know if you ever played that. I didn't, but I remember you talking about that it. Game it was, was the one that was awesome. No, okay. I'm thinking of the one that was canceled that never even got released. No. That was being made by Daybreak, the same studio behind DC Universe mm-hmm. Online. Yep. Uh, no, curiosity. This was a, uh, I think it was Gazillion <laughs> Entertainment who did it. It was a lot of yeah. fun. I played a ton of that game. And it was cool. It was like that first time like I was on the server when the game shut down and everything. Like I really liked it. So I, w- I was very sad. I saw it in my download list the other day. I was like, oh, I'd like to play that. <laughs> was it a console game? Yeah, it was. And the weird part is you can still download it. So I wonder what would happen if I downloaded that. Like, would it do anything? <laughs> you probably just open it and it would be like, can't connect. <laughs> yeah. Cannot it is wild that in a game, in a world where DC Universe Online still exists, an MMO for Marvel doesn't. That's crazy. Yeah. Was it part of their shift into trying to be, t- trying to take the game development uh, world more serious with very high products, high quality products like Spider-Man and Marvel's Avengers, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't think the player base was very big. And I know the studio was small, so. May have just been an untenable game. Yeah, I think that's more what it was. <clears throat> so I guess inadvertently it would still be from that reasoning. The studio couldn't keep up with it. Marvel has grandiose ideas for their gaming thing. And it just wasn't going to be able to kept up with. That sucks, though. There's nothing like a, a server closing for a game. It's a very special moment if you can be there. You yeah, know? it is. It's cool. Sad. But- um, yeah, it was and lesser so because it wasn't an MMO. But the community attitude around Killzone Mercenary shutting down earlier this year was really interesting. Because I was like talking with people. And it was so great when you were in a map full of people who were actually playing. But it was also equally annoying when you were in a map full of people just spinning around. And I know that I occasionally landed into that. But I played the actual game as often as I let it sit in my sleep. Because it was the only way I was going to get the Platinum. But I still... It was, it was a fun, interesting time. Uh, let's see. Do you think that there's another IP that's popular enough, recent enough, and that Sony would be willing to explore MMO opportunities with outside of Horizon? Since I know you don't like Horizon, is there a game series that you could see that is Sony's first party that they could do this in that's not Horizon that you would like to see? No. I mean, Killzone maybe? Killzone MMO? I actually love the idea of a shooter MMO. I don't. I, I assume it's been done, but I haven't seen it. So either it's been done and it's not been successful at all. The closest that you get is games like Destiny and Warzone uh, or yeah. Warframe. I, I don't know. I mean, arguably, really, Warframe is. I'd have to look at PlayStation IPs really because 
I don't. Well, that's know. why like, I mentioned recent because I don't think Sony would take that risk with a franchise that's not relatively still relevant and fairly large. I mean, looking at a list, I mean, hell, Dark Cloud would be a great one. Yeah, you know what they should do? They should take the concept of PlayStation All Stars and turn that into an MMO. So, like, Drake is a quest giver. Ape Escape is a is a quest giver. You know, Gabe Logan's a quest giver. Yeah, I don't play. (laughs) I don't play Ape Escape. Spike is a quest giver. Gabe Logan. You know, Rico stops shooting the walls so he can give you quests. (laughs) Aloy is a quest giver. You know. A demon from Demon Souls, you know that kind of thing. I think that would be so, more interesting the world? than anything else. Out of curiosity, like, what in your view of that? What would the world be that would draw all these people together, but still be interesting on its own? The real answer is cyberspace, right? <sighs> cyberspace okay. in what way? Here's is my it pitch. Sonic? You know, is it Sonic Frontiers, where when you go into the portals, it's like themed after the games in which you're getting these quests from? I mean, now that you've said it, yes, because that would be sick, but. The real way that you do this, right? It starts off with an FMV cutscene, and it's some it's someone on it with a pulse headset on playing a game, and then like thunder flashes in the window. He kind of looks up and gets a little scared, and then it flashes again, and all of a sudden he's gone, and you realize that he's been sucked into the PlayStation Five, and the whole MMO is him doing things for these PlayStation characters who, for some reason, are sentient inside the PlayStation. And that was PlayStation Stars. Bam. Oh, that see, that would have been excellent. But it would have been called PlayStation Star because you're the star. Yeah. You know what, Sony, if you want to pay us for that idea. It's <laughs> a hell of a goddamn idea. I even got the story for you. I actually thought and appreciated, not that it was like amazing, but I thought the the story or at least the reasons in which they gave for the characters coming together and how they interacted with each other in um, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale was actually fine. <laughs> I yeah, liked totally, it. totally all right. I agree. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's see. We've got a few more things here. In what could be a boon to my Metacritic draft list, if I'm lucky, rumors paint a target of an April 2023 release date for Blizzard's long-awaited Diablo 4. So we'll have to wait and see. And if it comes out, then we also have to wait and see if it is a high, (laughs) high reviewing game or not. (laughs) That's the big issue right now. You never know with that. Do you feel like this is an odd question, but since we're using Metacritic and we always talk about how Metacritic is not the gospel, this is just for the fun of doing things. So my enjoyment of the game is completely separate of Metacritic. But in looking at this, do you think there's any way in which all this stuff going on with Activision on their own level of uh, sexual harassment con- uh, conduct and stuff that they had going on, uh, them being embroiled with this purchase from Microsoft and how that's painting things and super fans being upset or pro for it, depending on what side of the aisle they're on, um, do you think there's any way in which that would impact the actual media, the games media? personalities who are going to be reviewing to where they might review the game worse because of outside forces. Do you know what I mean? Kind of like we saw that, what was it? Are Kotaku you, oh. review where they were talking about the PlayStation. <laughs> In this economy with a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Ian Walker. Um, 
I don't know. I don't. <laughs> let me let me see if I understand. Are you asking me if games journalists will use their platform to talk about things unrelated to games? Is that the question? N- not necessarily that, because they're going to do that. Because the answer is yes. Right? <laughs> but my real question is, outside of using their platform to talk about it, will the score also reflect what they choose to talk about within that? Will they let the the negative things they may talk about in the review that aren't part of the game influence the actual score at all. Do you think games journalism's integrity is that low yet? Yes. At least widespread enough to impact Metacritic in a, in a real way. Yes. Cause you know, one dumb Kotaku review or whatever is not going to make the game suddenly be a bust. You know what I mean? Like God of mm-hmm. War got a six out of 10 from IGN Korea. And I'm not saying it's an invalid review, but that's a pretty low score and all, and all grand scheme of things and God of War sitting at a 94. So, yeah. Um, I think if the game gives them a reason to complain, they will. And I think it's coming out at a great time because it'll still be Joe Biden in office. Donald Trump won't be running for president. Um, COVID will There'll probably be less be, political aspects. Right. That's the thing. If this was coming out in 2024, I promise you there would be an article and a review talking about how the the burning hellscape of Diablo 4 reminds me of the streets of America under Donald Trump. And then I would <laughs> shoot myself in the head because I have to deal with this. Uh, that's actually pretty funny because I, you know, this is a completely different thing. And I know that you're talking about but, but politics, but. It's funny that you're talking about that because when I was playing Sonic last night and I started it up and I'm in the open world and you have that somber piano music playing mm-hmm. and it's going through and my wife was like, what in the hell is up with this music? And then I started being like, basically monologuing as Sonic where it's like, <laughs> I've always been going fast, but what have I been running from? I can't run for myself. <laughs> I've been running from America's policies on abortion. <laughs> Gotta go fast to another county. <laughs> Gotta go fast to work an extra shift so I can afford this PlayStation 5 in this economy. <laughs> if I'm not fast enough, the dropkick won't. <clears throat> oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if my personal faith in, in games media at large is that low yet. Um <laughs> but I also don't, I see it as like, it doesn't feel like it's much more than a stone skip away from that. Like it's, I could see it collapsing into that fairly easily depending on what goes on around it. Uh, not that I care. Yeah. I only care in so far as it impacts me having to potentially pay you a hundred dollars. That's fair. I care in so much as it impacts me individually. Um, all right, let's see. Last thing that I have left on here, Kojima seemingly put to bed any thoughts of Kojima Productions being acquired, Chris, <laughs> stating that despite a handful of ridiculously high offers, he says, quote, as long as I'm alive, I don't think I will ever accept those offers, end quote, claiming his want for an unwavering creative control outweighs the potential money behind any kind of deal. Now, Chris, to to leave you with a little hope for your Mm. 2023 headlines, he did say 
he doesn't think he'll ever accept those offers. He didn't say he will absolutely never accept those offers. And I've seen people reporting this, and this is important. I've seen people reporting this as him saying, quote, as long as I'm alive, I'll never accept. And that is not yeah, what he said. It's not. <laughs> I, I'm wondering if um, if Sony offered him the bungee deal with the caveat that his games had to be on PlayStation. I wonder if he'd take it. And I'm just using Sony as an example. Microsoft could do the same thing. Of We want to own your game, your studio, and your games, but you can do I whatever you that- want. I think the issue still comes down to, and this is something we really won't be able to see. The re- the real question here that we'll have to see more time from Bungie is whether or not they get to act with seeming true autonomy. Do games that they make still have to be greenlit by Sony in some capacity? Or is it does Sony strictly leave it to the only people who greenlit Bungie's games are people within Bungie? I would since it's, it's their the own publishing one. arm. Now, I would... I would hope so, and I would lean towards thinking that would be the way they'd go. But out of sheer curiosity of how the business thing would go, I think it would have to be something where there was no... (laughs) Let me say this. Regardless of what Sony says, right? We all know that unless there's a clause somehow, some way, somewhere... Sony does not have to hold true to what they told Bungie. And at any point in time, because they are now wholly owned by Sony, Sony is at their discretion to do what they please with them. It's the nature of the business. It's how things work. And I think where this might be Kojima's issue is that things can go pretty well overall for a long time at a place. But when they suddenly don't, you don't want anyone who has the power outside of yourself to say you can't do what you do anymore without having to restart over. So I think... Konami's experience or his experience with Konami. Oh, I would agree with that. Has ruined him of even trusting anyone who says, We'll buy you. You have complete autonomy. We just want to own you and make sure your games are still on PlayStation. I just think that he would always live in fear of the fact that one day he may try and do something, make something, or do whatever and and be kicked off of his own team or told he can't do it. And the, the freedom of being able to do it and find funding elsewhere. It outweighs. I could agree with that. that. Um, let me ask you a potentially insensitive question because I was thinking about it today, right? Okay. Is it worth buying Kojima Productions? Here's why I asked that question, right? Kojima Productions is where it is because of one man. And when that one man is no longer with us, whether he retires or dies, that studio is now worth very little. So does it even make sense to invest in a company that has a time clock on it like that? And I'm not saying that there's not someone who could take the reins from Kojima, but I am saying that without Kojima, Kojima Productions is just Productions. I get so, your point. Even if you fill them in with a different auteur, someone who it's is not him trying, it's still not Kojima. It's Kojima right. Productions and name only. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. Resident Evil has gotten better without Shinji Mikami, but mm-hmm. they're not Shinji Mikami games, right? Metal Gear Survive could have been a ten, but it's not Hideo Kojima's Metal Gear Survive. So I don't know. I've been really thinking about that. Like, 
yeah, this is great. He wants to do whatever he wants, but he's 60 years old. <laughs> yeah. And, and the way you know, he produces games, I mean, I'm not trying to be morbid. It's, it's a genuine, you know. You uh, may have two, two to three more games out of him. Max. Two, three, maybe four at max. Mm-hmm. So, like, is, is there really a point? Yeah. Well, you know, I think the the one thing I can truly say is that regardless of whether Kojima's there or not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the value is, is that while he's there, you get Kojima games and you get what you you get the immediate benefit of what you paid for, which is games from an auteur who's known throughout the industry in large and is respected even for his odd ideas. And the games still tend to do pretty well when sure. he's behind them, even if they're unorthodox. The moment that he is no longer connected, be it through retiring, death, or whatever it may be, I think what you get is a studio that understands how to craft a game at a very high level. Mm -hmm. And regardless of whether you're having Kojima-type games anymore or not, you still have a very talented group of people who understand how to make games at a very high level to either become a support studio Take over the take over or assist in the role of PlayStation's like ICE if we're looking at PlayStation buying them, right? Uh, PlayStation's ICE initiative, where there's a single developer who understands mm-hmm. uh, the engines and how the system works to the help initiative do those for things. the common engine. Yes, just well, to and, and put you, the name out there. Yeah, well, and if you think about the fact that Sony seems like they're actually trying to push more people into using Horizon's engine. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at more people using Decima, then having a studio that's very familiar with it is just a benefit to have regardless if they continue to use Decima at Infinitum, which we don't know, but it seems likely. Definitely since they helped continue to develop it, I don't think Sony would pull that away even if the game was being used elsewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if Decima gets used for their Microsoft game. Yeah. So to that end, I still think it's it's like saying... You're right, right? Because like they, Sony bought Naughty Dog. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, Naughty Dog is not the team that made Crash Bandicoot. Jason Rubin's not there. None of that's happening, right? Yeah. It's new people, different things. But Naughty Dog is still a top-tier studio because the one thing that's been consistently true for them throughout all the years is that they've always made games on the edge of the tech that the systems that they're on can handle. Well, <clears throat> I don't disagree with what you're saying. My question is, are you paying $2 billion for what you're saying? Yeah, that's right? a great question. Because to me, that's what ridiculously high sounds like in this M&A atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got you to gotta think, like, the mind, having Kojima in your first party stable, it's worth that money. But again, is it worth that money knowing that it's a limited time that you can have and again we're talking about 20 20 30 ideally 40 years of the man's life and we're talking about a human being so it's i feel weird even having this conversation but regardless is it worth two billion dollars to eventually pay for naughty dog which what five million dollars when they bought it (laughs) i don't think two billion is really the and, and i'm not saying this for my own sake of looking at this right if two if two billion is the number, then it is a harder question to answer. But I think when you look at Insomniac, even though it's been years back, being two hundred twenty nine million, considering mm-hmm. they have three to four teams, a shitload of IP that they have, and already a great relationship and good knowledge of the inner workings of their thing, 
I think that if you can get Insomniac for 229, again, admittedly, outside of the MA era that we're currently in, I still think something like a Kojima production with a single team, at most two teams, from what we're understanding, um, and we don't know how big the second team is currently. If you're looking at them, I still feel like you're probably still talking in the at a cap of a extremely high offer. You're talking 500 million. That's my take on it. And you, it may be that you think that's comically lower, as I think yours is well, reaching I, comically high. I was high, exaggerating. But, but the reason mm-hmm. I'm exaggerating is because you're trying to, for all intents and purposes, you're trying to get them to sell out. And yeah. you're not going to get well, them to sell out for market price. Yeah, and what was what was uh, Sony's bungee purchase? Three three point six billion. Technically, with, t- technically two point six billion. One billion of that with being a one billion bonuses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So actually, and Bungie's a huge company, mm-hmm. <laughs> surprisingly, uh, but that is still technically a single developer with a very limited amount of IP. Um, so maybe maybe you're not as far off as I'm. Maybe I'm continuing to undersell back in the thing, but that's a it's genuine curiosity. I don't know. I don't know what well, a reasonable price would be for Kojima. That well, but don't you forget, know in this world of him potentially accepting would even and, look and like, then that's know? part of my question, right? You look at Bungie and you look at Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog is not and was not Ruben Productions, and Bungie is not Parsons Productions. Kojima yeah. Productions is Kojima Productions. So again, mm-hmm. that's my question. Once once there's no Kojima in the Kojima Productions, what what did you buy? And I, I again I'm being insensitive and whatever, but I'm just I'm just it's just a thought exercise for me. Yeah. No, and I still think that the value is there so long as the purchase price isn't crazy, crazy. Uh, I think that the value is still there in having a up to two teams of world-class developers mm-hmm. who understand how... I mean, dude, Death Stranding is a gorgeous and incredibly well-made game. Yeah, it it's one of my favorite well, games of all time. I love hard, it. I, don't, I hardly ever experienced any bugs. I don't think I did experience a single bug in that game, at mm-hmm. least that I was aware of. Looked great, ran great, technically uh, uh, nearing flawless. There, There's value in that without the auteur who brings you the scenario and characters and everything. Um and you can still get somebody great to fill that role and still make great, unique games that aren't Kojima games, but they're still made with the quality you expect from a Kojima game and everything outside of story and characters and weirdness. And then that can potentially be filled in an albeit different way by somebody else who gets to come in and take on that reign. And I kind of think like you're saying, like someone who can... I could see Kojima, if he's ever going to do that and keep his company, bringing in somebody that he brings under his wing to kind of bring up to fill that position. Yeah. Uh, but then again, the question there really becomes, and it's it's a genuine question I don't know the answer to, can you teach the kind of mindset that you have to have to be considered an auteur? Or does that just come with the personality and a life experience of you as an individual? Because if everyone yeah, I mean, could be a Kojima, or if everyone could be an auteur, there's clearly benefits in being an auteur. Uh, there's some negatives, too. But more people would be hit it, fitting that role if it was something that was easy to teach. And that's the real question. Well, I do think it also takes a little bit of uh, a pretty significant level of vanity, which uh, Kojima certainly has. <laughs> of course, which and is I great. Think- 
that's what, but I think that's what makes him an auteur. You know, you know, Hideo Kojima worked on this game because if in Metal Gear Solid, after every chapter, it says directed by Hideo Kojima, written by Hideo Kojima, art direction by Hideo Kojima, sound direction by Hideo Kojima, jerked off the guy in the sound booth by Hideo Kojima. Like everything is by Hideo Kojima. So it's not surprising that people are associate everything with Hideo Kojima. <laughs> yeah. I have a ton of respect. I will say for you, I can't. It's just a fascinating yeah, me thing. too. I can't think of anyone else in the and hardly any industry Said that. Mine. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Even <laughs> then, I think Kojima's honestly above that in terms of people knowing and tying him so into the thing to the point where I say this in the fact that Ooh. people know Hideo Kojima is a real person. I've met people who thought that Sid Meier's was not the creator, but rather like a series like this is <laughs> Sid Meier's civilization. Like, Oh, it's like, yeah. there's also Sid Meier's not civilization. You know, I actually do have someone in my mind, Tom now. Clancy, right? It's like, yeah, it's just a name for them. Tom Clancy didn't make those games. He didn't, he didn't do the art. You mm. know what I mean? Tom Clancy's being Tom Clancy's name being 50% owned by Chinese communists is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh no, that's wild. <laughs> okay. Well, right, well Chris, um, for the record, we're led uh, to the question Tim Burton. You. Go ahead. Tim Burton's fair. Yeah, that's actually yeah. probably the closest that you're yeah. and maybe even exceed because Tim Burton is a force to be reckoned with in Hollywood. Yes, surprisingly. He is. Um, all right, so we, we are to the point. What do you think from what we've talked about today or just in that little brain? I'm a little brain. I'm, I feel like I'm <laughs> insulting you. That brain of yours, do you think would be a fun uh, community's take to let our listeners in on? I don't know, man. I, I I had the last one in my head. I don't have one for this week personally. What do you think? I think I like the idea of asking them about if there is, and it can be MMO or or just any other type of game that Sony doesn't typically make, but I think MMO is an interesting one. Is there a Sony franchise that they would like to be see uh, be turned into an MMO other than Horizon? Uh, You know, what do you think about that one? I'm here for that. Yeah, pitch it. Okay. Yeah. So there we are. Uh, what what legacy or recent IP from Sony would you like to see get turned into an MMO instead of Horizon? Even if you would be excited about the Horizon or even in addition, which one would you like to see given the MMO treatment if that's a market that Sony is aiming towards uh, brushing into? MMO would be a game as a service, so <laughs> it would fit into their their current thing. So all right, MLB guys, we will the show, of course... We will, of course, uh, post that on all of our social media. So remember, again, you can find us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD, Facebook in the group Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. And lastly, our Discord, always linked in the description, whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on podcast services. If you are listening on podcast services and they have an option for you to review, please take the time to do so if you can find it. Uh, It lets people know what you like about the show, whether or not we're worth their time, and it lets us know what you do and don't like about the show. Lastly, if you're feeling extra generous and you want to be uh, one of those great people that we call off and shout out at the end of every episode, you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech and get as little as a dollar per month. Uh, 
it helps support the show, helps us do this without having to dig in our own pockets, and we're forever grateful for that. If you get $5, we'll send a sticker out to you uh, for the $5 a month tier just as a thank you so that you can rep uh, some <clears throat> swag <laughs> of Triangle Squared. But with that being said, this has been episode 283, and I think we are ready to wrap this thing up. So, Chris, thank you for joining me, buddy. You're and welcome. Thank you. See you next week, all right? Yeah, I'll be 30 next week. Thanks for remembering. <laughs> I know you will. We talked about this. Did we talk about this? Oh. Yeah, when you told me that I needed to do the news. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. Wow. The listeners didn't, and the listeners don't know about that conversation, so I'm just being That's a dick. fair. Hey, Chris is going to be 30 next week, so he's probably going to be crying into his hands. Technically, I'm going to be 30 to in 46 Mar- minutes. Yeah. Oh, well, God. Yeah. Okay. An hour 46 for you. Yeah. Here's to being old. <laughs> Boy. It's okay. It's okay, Chris. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, too, am like seven and some odd, seven months and some odd days away from being 30. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staring down the barrel of a 30. Oh, God. I can't, can't work that out. But I can tell you what, uh, I'm drinking yeah. 30 beers tomorrow. So it's happening. It's, so what's your joke to end the show since you've uh, been so in on doing that? Oh, God. Um, uh, um, maybe I told this one. What do you call a Mexican boy band? I don't know. One Direction. <laughs> I was thinking there's some dumb joke you can make about Sonic Frontiers with what is Sonic here with? His Frontiers. Uh, but, you know. That Not that that's a great the, joke. That would imply the existence of back ears. Back ears? <laughs> See, you don't have you don't have back ears, bro. <laughs> Chris, look me dead in the eyes and tell me you don't have back ears. I don't have back ears. I don't bro, think. You're blowing my mind right now. All right, guys, we will see you next week. And a shout out, as always, to our patrons, Barry Rogers, Stingray X. It's a sin to win. AKA Sean, Aztec King, Lechion69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Stephen Salazar, and last but certainly not least, Shadowist. Thanks to each and every one of you. We hope you have a good week.